I hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Are you fucking it high? Was- yes, I am! Asshole face man! You are my podcast. My only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your ass. Oh talking. my God. It's very creepy. Just a little weird. Maybe it'll catch on. Who knows? It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Do I have your attention? Send your dick pics. <laughs> I got a whole folder full of dick pics, okay? Are you interested? I know you are because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phone Boy and Phoenix. I don't know, Phone Boy. Those two are those two are pretty interesting to listen to. Oh, they're horrible. They're fucking nuts! But they don't know shit about fuck, clearly. You just can't trust them. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Bullshit. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. The offensive has begun. That's right. The offensive has begun. It is episode 108 titled Trick Her Treat. And this is, of course, the Lotus Effect. And I am Phoenix. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Well, and uh, last I checked, I'm still phone boy. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, well, anyway. That's right. You may not be able to handle the truth. So on we go with the show. Okay, so now I've got to actually hit the. I've got to hit that button, and I go with that. What is this? A freak out? This is kind of strange. This is terrific. Uh, I think I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing! We're there. I just had an orgasm. Oh, really? Ah. Yes, I did. Ah, thank you, Sir Bemrose. That's, that's what, that's what happens when you orgasm. pound the lotus. <laughs> that is truly what happens when you pound my lotus. Absolutely, that's right. Yes. Lotus affects everybody differently. So, however, wherever the lotus is affecting you today, thank you for your courage and for propagating the model of the Podfather himself, who actually was on a little earlier today doing some boostagram ball. So, check him out. Because his new gig that he's been doing is on fire. So if you're new to the No Agenda family and you have not yet experienced the Lotus, welcome. Here's how it works. This is a new live son of a bitch. This is a new live son of a bitch. And we are a value for value podcast. And what that means is that we provide you value in some form of entertainment. And how you value that is how you return that value to us. Whether it be your time, you listen, you tell other people, your talent. Maybe you have something fall out your gob that we use as a clip. Or you create like Dame DeLorean did in the first episodes for us. She created a great opening musical montage. Or, of course, 
there is that one other thing that we all love so much treasure now you can do that in a couple of forms you can go to lowesteffect.show and smash that green we like money button send us some of those fiat fun coupons via paypal if your money offends you we are a charitable organization we will take it off your hands and we will put it to good use like creating merch that we send to our most faithful and wonderful pedal heads when they make donations of a sustaining matter or just in general hey if you get our attention and you're one of our friends you might get some merch just saying or you can send us a boostagram using a podcasting 2.0 app, which lets you stream Satoshis to your favorite podcast. And if we happen to be that, thank you. And we love when you splash the walls with Satoshis. Now, if you don't have one of those wonderful 2.0 podcasting apps, well, damn it. Stop living under a rock, Osama. Get your ass out in the light and go to newpodcastapps.com. Or if you're like Phoneboy and I, take off all your clothes, run through the house screaming like maniacs, and then go to nudepodcastapps.com and get you a new podcast app that'll let you stream Satoshis to your favorite pedal head uh, loving show like the lotus effect so we're gonna actually give you a list of the people who have gotten on board with that whole value for value train and we're gonna start with five whole dollars that came from mama t aka Fazilla. put me in coach and we certainly do put her in. We love Mama T. Our monthly stonation from the wonderful, excellent, amazing Sir Rev Cyber Trucker at 420 from Fantasy Weddings, LLC. If you have not heard about this, it is blowing up. Sir Rev Cyber Trucker is the most amazing, um, what do you call it, officiant for weddings. He will do it in any way, shape, form, style. He has much style and he looks awesome when he dresses up in his Star Wars garb. I'm just going to say if I was that deep into Star Wars, this man would totally be my officiant in full garb. So get out there. And if you're getting married, get a hold of Rev Cyber Trucker, Fantasy Weddings LLC, fantastic business. And then we have some other donations. Now, these are in the form of Satoshi's boosting songs that people want to hear, starting with... Yes, of course. Uh, so, uh, Piranacy with 8787 sets saying Frankenstein, Johnny Winters. Yeah, we played that. Uh, I Am Iron Man by Black Sabbath. He boosted another 70, 7777 sets. Uh, um, then he came in with a 9898 uh, saying The Lost Art of Keeping a Secret. Uh, um, I forgot what QOTSA was. It's a queen of the, um, you know... What Queens is, of the Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age. Ooh, I got one one for a change yeah, there you go and, well yeah you, you boosted the next two tracks each with 3333 saying sure 20, did. yeah uh, boosted 21 pilots heathens and red hot chili peppers danny california uh piranacy comes in with 3333 jealous again uh but black crows uh, me and my arrow harry nilson again uh, for uh, with 2222 sats from piranacy fazilla boosted 333 sats saying missed again phil collins what the vols were saying this afternoon yeah that was yeah oh my Fucking that was last truth. week that was painful yeah and uh, the fans were not happy. I will tell you that Coach Heupel has his ass in a fucking sling. The fans are fickle here in Tennessee. And if you don't perform and also if you lose the Florida and the Alabama game any year that we play, we might give you a mulligan on the first one. But you fuck it up twice, son, you better be looking for a new job because we fixing to make you available to the market. 
Yeah, well, and then Piranesi comes to, uh, re- uh, request with 999 sets saying Cashmere, Led Zeppelin. That's a great track. Uh, Bo- uh, Dame Boosty Steed with 3333 sets saying Gorillas, Clint Eastwood. And I think that was all we had. Uh, we didn't have a lot of uh, um, uh, uh, boostograms. But that's okay. You know what? You do not have to boost in order to get your song played. All you got to do is join us at lotuseffect.chat. You can also call 253-237-3321, which is the number for our voicemail and we'll talk about that in a minute and you can make a request through that we've actually had people do that you can text that same phone number 253-237-3321 and tell us what you want to hear and we will definitely play it now the only reason why people boost is because they want to hear their song damn it right here right now no place i'd rather be I don't blame them because when I want to hear a song, I want to hear a song. I need to get it out of my head. I need to feel it in my soul. So to me and to all these other wonderful pedal heads who have decided that they too need to hear that song and get it in their soul. They put a value on it and they return it to us and we make that happen. Uh, Now, there are other ways that you can contribute value back to us. You can do so in the form of feedback. And the way you do that is you can send us a message on No Agenda Social. I am at Phoenix, P-H-E-O-N-I-X, with a bunch of shit after it. He is at Phoneboy, P-H-O-N-E-B-O-Y, on No Agenda Social. And he also has another instance that you're on. Yeah, I'm on Spook Social, although I haven't checked it in a couple of weeks. But but yes, yeah, so there's a bad podcaster. Yeah. Do I do I have to play the clip? I swear. No, it's I'm just, forever losing it because I should have it. Yes, you right should at my fingertips for you know. Bad podcaster, get the spray bottle. Okay, you well. always must check your media. But you can also email us phoneboy at lotuseffect.show. Phoenix, again, P-H-E-O-N-I-X, at lotuseffect.show. You can send us something in the snail mail. Make those government workers earn that cash. And you can hit us up in the back channel if you want the address for that. Or, like we were talking about four, you can call or text 253-237-3321. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingy. Dell Computers, this is Chip. That's right. You can weigh in on the refire topic, which this week is BBW, BBC, ATM, or what's your kink? And if you don't know what those are, it's big, beautiful women, big black cock, or ass to mouth. So tell us, what's your kink? Yeah, that's right, folks. We went real blue this week. It's obscene. That's the point. We figured, fuck it. Since it's the season of spook, we might as well spook y'all and have a real hell of a refire topic. So Ernestine and and, uh, Chip are not standing by, but Google Voice is, and they will mangle your transcript, I can assure you. And you'll probably end up as a show title. But, you know, you can weigh in at 253-237-3321 on this week's topic or any prior topic that we have had. And we usually play the voicemails during the refire segment of our show. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide and say, give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it. Yeah, but uh, just one thing, y'all. We don't want your shit. Please don't send us your shit. That's right. We absolutely, we respect and appreciate your feedback, but you must be respectful because we will have absolutely no problem uh, shunning you, calling you out, and basically telling you to just shut the fuck up. Because nobody has any time for that bullshit, prejudice, whatever. 
I mean, I make a joke that we're the only ones around here to use prejudice language, but we even don't. You, you will not hear the N-word come out of our mouths. We respect all people. We may not like them, but we at least respect them and respect them enough that we will not use racial slurs, etc. against them. But I think it is about time that we get yeah, on yes. with this shit show. Yeah, that's right. When we start with our health segment, which is, of course... Brought to you by Pfizer. Yes. And I think uh, we, we so we have to start with that. We have to now, of course, there's a clip to introduce the, the first story. Of course. They must be out of crest. Attack! We make holding deep! Cavity creeps! As an, as an old commercial, I tell you that. Major throwback from our childhood. Yeah, exactly. So now, sure, Halloween's about dressing up in costumes and embracing all things scary. But for a lot of adults and, and kids, uh, the holiday is really all about the candy. Uh, not for us. We, we, we don't we didn't buy any candy every, every time we've gone to. Uh, it, it's just all it's literally just like in every, you know, every store. It seems like yeah, you get selling. diabetes by walking down the holiday aisle from basically Halloween until after Easter. Yeah. As good as a bag full of treats can taste, they can come with a cost of dental issues. Now, the report identified the following as the most common dental issues caused by candy. So, so we'll start with the uh, teeth sensitivity, which is a, a, so bacteria in the mouth can metabolize simple carbohydrates. So, yeah, so you're feeding, yeah, you're feeding the bacteria in your mouth by eating sugar. Maybe you shouldn't eat so much sugar in the first place. Just, just a thought, you know, and in turn, lower the overall pH in your mouth, creating an acidic environment. And an acidic environment can erode the enamel on your teeth, making them more sensitive and more susceptible to decay. Um, now, that certainly does happen. Toothpaste is also a thing. If candy causes damage to the teeth fillings um, and cracking, it can be very painful. A cracked tooth that is cracked into the nerve or root of the tooth is extremely painful. That's for sure. Um, Damaged fillings and crowns. If candy is sticky, it can pull out a piece of filling or pull off a crown. And if it's very hard, it can break a filling or a tooth. Have I ever... Is is that true? Oh, it absolutely is true. I I can tell you that the, the... suction that is created from the stickiness will definitely if you've got a loose filling uh it it can most definitely pull it out much like gum there's there's some candy that has that strong of a pull from the stickiness that yeah it'll pop that fucker right out yeah so um yeah. And then you got a bigger problem because then you got to go see the damn dentist and it's going to cost you money. He's going to be pissed. It's just not a place you want to be. Oh, yeah. Let's not even talk about how much pain you're going to be in because that's just. Yeah, exactly. Nobody wants that. Yeah. And if candy is sticky, it can uh, pull out a piece of a filling or pull off a crown. And if it's very hard, it can break a filling or a tooth. Now, after repeated exposure to candy and the oral bacteria digesting the sugar into acid and eroding the enamel, tooth tooth decay can form. Now, while it doesn't directly harm the filling material this way, the decay can form at the margin of the filling or crown where the, you know, where the edge where the tooth meets the filling or crown. And now... And of course, if you've got a chipped or cracked tooth, it's problematic because a cracked chip or chipped tooth has lost the outer layer of the enamel and the cavity progresses at a much faster rate, increasing the likelihood for more tra- treatment, such as a root canal or crown, right? Um, you know, of course, and also you might have jaw discomfort if, if, you're, if you're spending all this time, uh, you know, uh, chewing on candies. You might have, uh, you might have, if you have TMJ or something like that. Which uh, I will tell you, I do. Yeah. And it is not something to fuck with because it is really painful. I've had times... And this has nothing to do with Halloween candy. Just in general, I have had times where my jaw locks to the point 
I can't even open my mouth wide enough without excruciating pain to eat something of normal proportion. I mean, talk about being on soup for days on end till that shit subsides or you can finally get your jaw to crack or basically move in the right way where it will put it back in in proper alignment. Oh, God, I'd rather step on a Lego. Yeah, well, it's it's actually kind of funny because my ex has TMJ also. And, uh, you know, and I, th- and I think, uh, you know, in the time that I've known you, I, I haven't really seen you experience this. I know though, though if you get it, I mean, I, I s- can I tell you something? What? It's another way that you can see cleaning up your diet, because since I started eating what I'm supposed to be eating and not a whole lot of whole just fucking garbage. Yeah, I actually have not had a problem with it. And I think that is because, again, what happens with TMJ is it's muscular and when the muscles aren't constantly fucked up, then, you know, it's, it's kind of a trickle down effect when you're not pissing off the muscles in your jaw and you're not pissing off the rest of the muscles in your body. You don't go through the TMJ as much. You don't go through the paralyzing Charlie horses in your calves as much. It, I mean, it's so, inclusive when you clean up your diet the things that were hurting and problematic in your body one by one start to lessen and you know last week we were talking about how we had gone out to dinner and we had had a little bit of uh you know the like the cheese dip the corn chips just a couple of them which you were really virtuous you didn't have a corn chip so kudos to you yeah but, I, but yeah but i ate the cheese sauce damn it Oh, God, that cheese sauce is is fucking money. But anyway, we're not talking about that right now. I, I have noticed, once again, what happens when Phoenix fucks up? Oh, first thing that is going to start hurting on me, going to be that right hand thumb. And damn if not, thing almost put me in tears a couple of times this week. And it's going to take probably a couple of weeks before it starts calming down. So if I ever need a reason not to go off of the reservation and eat something that I shouldn't. Yeah, that thumb is definitely going to be the glaring red flashing warning beep. Okay. I'm not sure I disagree with this. What are the most unhealthy Halloween candy for your teeth? Well, first, frankly, all of them. But but here's what they list on this. Yeah, do they have sugar and a story? Yeah, exactly. So you got Jawbreaker. Yeah, maybe that's a little bit hard. Jolly Rancher. Yeah, if, you, if you'd like to bite those things. God, I loved fucking Jolly Ranchers. Do you remember? All right, so, you know, we're going to go in the Wayback Machine. We should get that. There you go. Yeah, we should, we should totally get the... Um, Get the way back machine Mr. Peabody. Or even Wayne's World going... (laughs) Right, exactly. So do you remember pink lemonade Jolly Ranchers or cinnamon Jolly Rancher sticks? No, I don't remember those. Oh, you're making me feel bad. Please, someone in the chat, weigh in. I know for a fact that I'm not crazy back when I was like 10-ish. So you're looking like mid-80s. They had... Um, pink lemonade Jolly Rancher sticks and cinnamon Jolly Rancher sticks and watermelon Jolly Rancher sticks. I still, to this day, that's hot, fresh garbage. But if you put a watermelon Jolly Rancher in front of me, it's going to be hard because I loved those so much. But oh, yeah, you want to talk about when you get them soft enough to like fold them over and maybe like give them a little chewy chew. Oh, yeah, that's going to pull a filling out in a heartbeat. 
Okay, well, the next ones that I got in the list are Bit of Honey and Starburst, which I don't think are, well, Bit of Honey's maybe a little bit, but uh, Starburst is not, you know, it's a little softer. But yeah, those are, I like both of those. Uh, Tootsie Rolls. Now, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm actually surprised about on this, not on this list, is a Tootsie Pop. Because it's got well, the... Well, I think because of the fact that they list a Tootsie Roll and a Tootsie Pop is literally just Tootsie Roll in the middle of a candy shell, no. ultimately, much no. like a Tootsie Drop. Do you remember Tootsie no. Drops? Uh, no, but, it, but yeah. Oh, all right. Fucking, this is where the left coast, right coast conflict and not real conflict, which y'all know what I'm saying, comes in. I remember when I was small, probably maybe five, probably before, they used to have these things called Tootsie Roll Drops. And it's exactly what you think it is. It's like a Tootsie Pop without the stick. Now, they weren't as large as a Tootsie Pop, but they were still a pretty good size. They, they probably were comparable at the time to maybe the size of a fireball, an atomic fireball. Please, at least tell me that you remember those. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember those. I mean, I know they're on our, our list here of horrible candies for your teeth, but they, they were about the size of an atomic fireball, maybe a little bigger, and they were just like a Tootsie oh, yeah, Roll. I, I, actually, now that I think about it, I've, I've, I've had those before. Stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah and oh my God, like in my adult years, I found them again. I got really excited. I thought, oh, they, re, you know, they reissued them. Yeah, they did. They're so sad. They might be the size of a little bigger than a lemon head. Okay. I'm like... You all are disgusting. You have raised the price, shrunk the size, and they just don't have the same appeal they had when I was little. It's just me. Yeah, well, it's cause cause, uh, yeah, because we don't like all the sugar. So, yeah, then they also less Laffy Taffy Snickers, Atomic Fireball, uh, Butterfinger, Blow Pops, and Milk Duds. Now, Blow Pops are are basically gum inside of a, a thing. Yeah, that's probably it's it. literally like a Tootsie Pop, except for it's it's bubble gum instead of yes, I, 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 Tootsie Roll. Now, you know what else I recently found, and I'm going to admit I consumed one, not proudly, but I did. Uh, do you remember the old uh, Chupa Chupa Pops? They had, like, really great flavors. Again, here we go with a West Coast, East Coast fucking difference. Chupa Chupa, or however you pronounced it, Pops, had these great, it would be like cappuccino and cream or strawberry and cream or something. Well, I found one that was a, um, like a sweet tea and lemonade kind of mashup. And I thought, ooh, this is interesting. You know that son of a bitch had gum in the center of it. Yeah, I've never. Um, I was like, "What?" So, I mean, I'll be honest. I think part of it, and also part of it, is just I wasn't into suckers that much. I just it was was not something I, 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 I you know, not something I. I mean, I, I like the I like the cherry tootsie pops. That's that's about as you know as far as that goes. But um. I liked the chocolate ones. I liked the grape ones. I can remember, um, probably high school, middle school area, tootsie pop got this great idea to do some wild exotic flavors. So you had like passion fruit and uh, mashups of different things. It um, it was interesting for a while. Now I do have to ask you a question, phone boy. Now I know this is not just an East Coast, West Coast fucking thing. Did you used to save the wrappers from the Tootsie Pops that had the boy shooting the star arrow? And I didn't realize that was a thing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ah, you're going to break my brain. What? It must have been a girl thing or something like. All right. So you know how you've got the Tootsie Pop 
wrapper and every once in a while you'll come across one and it's not flavor specific but you'll come across one that has a little boy who's got an Indian feather like headdress and he's shooting a bow and arrow but the arrow he's shooting is a star and it was thought to be um good luck if you got one so you kept those I still probably have some in storage folded up somewhere. Like, I can't believe. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're fat kids talking about candy here. So, yeah, that's the truth. All right. How about, how about, we, uh, how about we go on to the next, uh, the next story here, which uh, means uh, you got to push a button. Yes, I do. Just take the damn cold shower. A little Wim Hof action for you there. Um, now, getting a cold, and I, used, and I used to do cold showers, so getting into a cold shower first thing in the morning may not be the most appealing thought. Um, it's not, not appealing any time of the day, to be honest, but numerous uh, touted benefits surround this practice. If you're unsure about whether cold showers could benefit you, you know what, you know what researchers have to say about it. Now, uh, cold water therapy has its roots in ancient medicine and includes the use of techniques such as cold showers, cold spray, and immersion in cold baths. Actually, Wim Hof is very famous for uh, um, actually uh, preventing, uh, you know, I think he actually like he, he purposely poisoned himself uh, after doing, you know, after doing some meditation and, you know, with, with cold and everything. And he was able to fight it off. It was something, you know, something like botulinum or something like that. that, that, that something that would usually kill you. Yeah. And that he was able to fight it off. So, um so I think there's something between there. There's certainly there's that n one equals one experiment of that, but you can actually you can actually handle a lot colder water than you think, and it's a. Um so, but cold showers typically involve bathing in water with a temperature ranging between 50 and 60 degrees Fahrenheit for two to three minutes at a time, which is not that cold. I was going, you know, I mean, hell, the daytime in, in Washington state, the date where I lived, the daytime temperatures rarely, you know, the, during the winter months rarely got above 45 degrees. You know how cold that fucking water was? It was it was probably it was probably below 40 degrees. I mean, if you weren't getting it out of the tap. So trust me, you can and you can. And, you know, and I know Wim Hof was doing shit and fucking, you know, and. Uh, you know, he ran a marathon and, you know, in basically shorts and barefoot, I think, you know, in the frozen tundra or something. And so you can you can probably tolerate a lot more than you think. Now, cold showers have been shown to increase immunity, improve mood and decrease inflammation. Now, yeah, I was I was doing this stuff right before the insurrection. I can tell you things were pretty tense at home. So I was trying to do anything I could to try and relieve some of the stress. Um so now taking a cold shower may stimulate uh, uh, leucocytes, uh, uh, leucocytes, there we go, the blood cells that help fight off infections such as cold and flu. A study that analyzed the cumulative effect of cold showers on sickness, quality of life, and work productivity found that they may be beneficial in reducing absence from work due to illness. Now, people who switched to cold showers for 30, 60, or 90 seconds for 90 days, which is not that long, had a 29% reduction in sickness compared to the control group. So, yeah, so you don't even have to take a cold shower for that long, it sounds like, to get some benefits from this uh, kind of like the fasting thing within literally hours of beginning a fast which most of us don't even realize we're fasting because how many hours do you go between eating if you're not just mindlessly munching yeah so which i think mindlessly munching might be a show title yeah, possibly but yeah just like you know when you're fasting as soon as you get within you know a few hours of, of not having consumed anything to eat or drink, your body starts repairing itself. And I think it's under that same idea. Exactly. So now cold showers can be beneficial for individuals with itchy skin. Now, this might be something your mom want, might want to do, actually. Um, oh, my God. I don't think my mom could handle a cold shower. Just saying. Yeah. Well, like, truly, I, I really don't. I can suggest we can suggest it to her. 
But yeah. the thought of taking a cold shower, she's probably downstairs listening to the broadcast on the stream, violently shaking her head like, uh-uh, nope, not happening. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she's, yeah, she's probably, yeah, she's probably thinking something along the lines of, do you know how bad you sound? Yeah, no fooling for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, 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 yeah, but it's, uh, anyway, but it, it, it might be just, just. I was actually gonna say, um, you know, babe, because sometimes, you know, we take a shower together. It's a nice uh, couple's bonding experience. We might try this whole cold shower thing. It There could truly be something to it. Like, I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie, because everybody thinks about taking a cold shower and they're all like, oh, my God, I couldn't do it. I have actually taken a cold shower before when we first, the ex-asshole and I first moved into our trailer that we had. They were not going to be able to, um, they weren't going to be able to hook up the electricity for probably a couple days, I would say. Um, so because we had been living in a tent, not having electricity, yeah, it wasn't a fucking thing that we really were that worried about. Uh, a, we had running water. B, we had a way to still cook food because I could set the butane burner on the stove until we got electricity because it was an electric stove. And as long as I had running water, I could heat water, which meant I could wash dishes. I mean, the, the whole crux of it was, and why I started talking about it, was because if you don't have a way to heat the water to take a shower, you're going to end up in a cold shower. So, being it was the middle of summer and hotter than 40 nuns fucking in the convent, taking a cold shower actually felt good because the water, the water wasn't ice fucking cold where it hits you and, like, shocks your system into heart failure. It was just the kind of cool that after a hot day out in the sun, you throw yourself in that shower and you're like, oh, thank God. Just the fact that, you know, usually you're not soaping up and washing your hair in that cold water, shh, don't hate. It also makes you kind of move a little quicker because after your body core finally cools down after being in that water, it does start getting a little uncomfortable where you're like, yeah, okay, I might want to get the fuck out now. Yeah. Yeah, there's all, yeah, there's, there's that. Uh, so the, actually the, um, so there's there's yeah there's a comment in here that that actually if she, if she had itchy scalp uh, you might do better avoiding a hot shower actually because that seems to uh, it seems to cause uh, cause issues right so we we know inflammation is bad for scalp health I mean that is that is a, and I think that's a um, you know, so certainly to, you know what yeah nah that yeah. just made me think about something so you know how mom is having all that trouble with her head. Like, because of the shingles, you know, her, her scalp itches like fucking crazy. <sighs> Thank you for hitting a mute button before you blew everyone's ears out. Um, there actually might be something to, and I have to actually wash her hair today because I told her that I would help her with it. I mean, you know how it is. Your parents get a little older. You got to help them with some stuff. And since we have handheld showers, it's not even really, it's, it's not an inconvenience at all. It's literally just like, hey, lean over the tub. Uh, I'm going to wash your hair and, and make it all better. And then we'll put it in a towel and we'll get it brushed out and sh you'll feel better. Cause I know I personally, if my hair isn't clean, Oh, it's mental to me, but I'm thinking that cold water thing might actually have some, 
some validity and maybe that would help to alleviate some of the itching, not yeah. just skin wise, but also hair and scalp wise. Yeah, exactly. Now, and it, they may also help in relieving stress and reducing symptoms of depression. Now, researchers who examine the use of cold showers as a potential treatment for depression have identified their potential analgesic and antidepressant effects. I was taking cold showers for 20 minutes at a time. At one point. You are hardcore. Yes. Well, but also, you know, when that was going on and what was going on at that time. I do. So, yeah. So uh, I was probably using that as a, as a compensation mechanism of sorts. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, you're, all the pedal heads at this point know what the, was going on, too. We, we all know the story. Yeah, exactly. So additionally, the antidepressant effect of cold showers may result from the significant transmission of electrical impulses from the peripheral nerve endings to the brain. However, it's important to note that further research is needed to classify cold showers as a definitive treatment strategy for depression. That's yeah, a fair statement. However, I, I say it doesn't, it certainly doesn't hurt anything. Um, now, taking a shower before bedtime can aid in improving sleep. However, research on the effects of cold showers on sleep provide mixed findings. So a study focused on the impact on athletes noted a decrease in core body temperature and increased amount of deep sleep in the initial three hours after of sleep after cold showers. So in contrast, another study found that there's no difference in factors such as total sleep time, sleep efficiency, and sleep onset in uh, participants with or without cold water immersion after uh, exercise. Now, can it help with weight loss? Well, when, when immersed in cold water, the body elevates metabolism metabolism and activates the brown fat associated with heat generation. As studies have shown that higher metabolism can help with burning more calories and weight loss, but this does not mean that taking cold showers without changing other lifestyle habits such as diet or exercise can help. Now, although routine voluntary exposure to cold water may help people adapt to the temperature and reduce the inflammation and other cardiovascular risks, sudden exposure can induce a shock response in the body. So the cold shock can elevate the stress on the heart, which may be risky to individuals with irregular heartbeats or arrhythmias. Now, according to the National Center for Cold Cold water safety, sudden immersion in extreme cold water elevates heart rate and blood pressure in vulnerable individuals, putting them in danger of heart failure and stroke. Now, people with hives caused by cold temperatures, heart disease, certain autoimmune disorders, and those with Raynaud's disease should probably avoid cold showers. Okay, well, at least they've done something on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we always like to give both sides of the spectrum. If if there's something in there that says, hey, this might not be a good idea for certain people, we're going to tell you all about it. We're not just going to put people at risk by saying, hey, you should definitely do this and, you know, damn the consequences. No, we, we're all about helping people live their better life. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, meanwhile, I think it's uh, if you're if you're eating this stuff, maybe you're not living your best life. Oreos are just as addictive as cocaine. Yes. And, and, and OK, I have to note that this that this article came from a high times. Right. So I, I, I find this. A, I think it's kind of fitting, considering the fact that we all know when you get high, you get the munchies. That's right. And when you get the munchies, you're not usually thinking about healthy foods. You're like, give me those fucking Oreos, those Doritos, whatever your vice is. Like I've talked about before, before I started eating healthy and being better to myself, uh, S'mores, Pop-Tarts, and peanut butter for the win, or Golden Graham cereal. That's right. Well, I could play the Vinny clip again, but I did that already. So, um, a new study has determined that highly processed foods such as cookies and chips can be uh, as addictive as the drugs cocaine, heroin, and nicotine. I think I, I think Vinny might disagree with that and say that they're actually more addictive. Exactly. Uh, so, a new study shows that highly processed foods can be as addictive as heroin, cocaine, and nicotine, leading some health experts to call for warning labels on, uh, on uh, popularly consumed snacks 
snacks such as cookies and chips. Now, the new research, which analyzed the findings of nearly 300 previous nutritional studies, was published recently by the peer-reviewed British Medical Journal. Now, the university was headed by University of Michigan professor Ashley Gearhart, who previously created the Yale Food Addiction Scale, uh, the YAFIS, uh, by applying the uh, is that uh, YAFIS is that is that is that like Yentis? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, by applying the the same criteria that experts use to diagnose substance addiction, including uncontrollable and excessive consumption, cravings, and con- continued intake despite potential negative health effects. You know, again, I'll, I'll point this out. You know, Vinny on the you know the, the clip I played, uh, you know, last I think last week or the week before, whatever we we talked about. Um, you know, we talked about the fact that this guy knows what the fuck he's doing, right? He he trains people. He 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 understands what this stuff is. But he even he says, "Look, I get one of those Oreos in my mouth. I'm going to want to eat the whole fucking bag." You know, it's and he said it just like that in yeah. the clip we have. That's right. So um, now, although addiction to certain foods is not included in common diagnostic frameworks to assess mental health, such as the the DSM, right? Um, Research on this topic has uh, grown rapidly in the past 20 years. Now, much of this research uses the YAFIS, which was developed to uh, measure food addiction by assessing the DSM-5 criteria for substance use disorder in the context of food intake. Now, researchers reviewed 281 previous studies conducted in 36 countries, which found that 14% of adults of adults are addicted to UPFs or ultra processed foods. Now, I'd say it's a lot more than that. If you walk around, the, you walk around your typical uh, town. You got, um, no lie. You uh, want to know how addictive to these? How addicted Walmart. to these foods? Yes, people are. Walmart or even because uh, it's fair season, folks. Walk around your local county fair. Take a peek. At who has what in their hands? Oh, I think fair, fair seasons. Pr- it's it's. Truck, I think you know, f- I think fair seasons probably over. I think it was for here it was shows August. shows how much I pay attention to this shit. Apparently, fair season is over, and I think you're right because come to think of it, probably within the last yeah. like month or two. Yeah, ours was in August. I know the one that the, the, the uh, yeah. So fair season is now over. But if you did attend a fair, because you know Phoenix or, wasn't or, thinking about or fair. even or even just going to an amusement park because those things still exist, right? Oh yeah, that's true too. Like, look at the concession stands, look at the food trailers, look at the shit people are carrying around in their hands that they're putting in their bodies. That's all I'm saying. No, I'll even just fuck look around and look around the, the, the restaurants that are around. I mean, even just like in our little small town, right? Look at all the restaurants around there and wonder how many of them, it's like how many of them actually serve one thing that you might be able to eat without, without harming yourself. I mean. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Because you, you know your audience, you know your customer base. Yeah. And if the majority of the customer base yeah. is people who look like they shop at Walmart, yeah. Yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. So and this is anyway, but the combination of refined carbohydrates and fats often found in uh, UPFs uh, seem to have a super addictive effect on brain reward systems. Yes, you, you, you combine sugar and fat together. Yeah, you're going to get you're going to get that. Well, um, think think about the think about the dopamine yeah. rush that you get. When you, you yourself, phone boy, think about the dopamine rush you would get when you ate an Oreo or a bag of Oreos or whatever your, you know, 
particular go-to was that got you there. No. Doritos also, but that's a... Exactly. I yeah. mean, I'm not going to hate on the Doritos. I would fuck a bag of Doritos Yeah, up an open bag is an empty munching. bag. Yes. You I, know, mindlessly munching. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I could, I, I could, I could right now walk into Walmart and buy, buy a gigantic box, a bag of fucking Doritos and without, without any, uh, without any shame fucking polish that thing off. Now I'd, I'm going to, I'd be sick the next day, but... Oh God, I, I don't I'd, even I'd be think sick. it would I'd, take till the next day. You would too, truly later in the night, like you'd have a rerun of this morning. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, that's, I don't think we put that in the show, but yes, I, I'm yeah. putting it in the show notes currently. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll get to that in toast and jam. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, so, uh, as UPFs have become more common, previous studies have shown them to be associated with serious medical conditions, including cancer, early death, cognitive decline and mental health issues. Yeah. All that for sure. Now, natural unprocessed foods normally have more carbohydrates or more fat, but not both. However, UPFs often have disproportionately higher levels of both fats and carbohydrates. Now, eating UPFs triggers a spike in dopamine that is followed by a steep decline in the neurotransmitter. Yeah, there you go, right there. Yes. Um, yeah, um, and then... Um and the result is a cycle of craving, satisfaction, and crash, similar to drugs and alcohol. Although not everyone is susceptible. Now, yeah, I'm also reading. I'm, I'm also reading um, the, the, the Gary Tubbs book, The Case Against Sugar, which such a good book, y'all. If you have not read this book, get your hands on it. They sell it on Amazon, which we know we hate the big A box store. But this is a fantastic book. Anywhere you buy books, if you can get your hands on it, it's called The Case Against Sugar. It is written by a journalist. Who is named Gary Tobbs? T A U B Yes, yes, that's correct. Okay, and, it, and, yes, and it, it's it, a fantastic. It, read. It's funny when I read the book, I, I kind of I, I, in my mind, in your I, mind, I'm reading it in a Gary Tobbs voice because uh, Gary Tobbs has a he, he. It's almost kind of a, a snarky, pretentious uh, East Coaster. Um, dude. It, it kind of is. Fu- I mean, fuck it, fucking smart dude. Don't, I oh, mean, super smart. But yeah, it's just you can. I in my mind, I can kind of hear. I can kind of hear his cadence and his thing as I'm reading it. It's just kind of a funny... Exactly. And because Vinny has had him in a few of the documentaries that he has done, we, of course, know what Gary's voice sounds like. Yes. So it is very easy to see in your mind his face and hear his voice reading as yeah. as you are reading. Yeah, I get it. I, I'm hoping... Yeah, so Vinny's, by, by the way, working on another documentary. I heard about that. Yeah, so there's... Uh, yeah, I don't know where he's at on it, but he's... he's, he's I know he's, he used to be doing like five shows a week. Now he's only doing three, so... Uh, I think that's a, um, but uh, so yeah, I'm assuming that that's partially so that he can work on that documentary, but he's talking about the, actually, I think he's mostly dealing with this topic, right? Of, of like, you know, what the, kind of what the food industry is doing to, you know, it's like it, it, it's the terrible stuff it's doing to addict people to the products. I mean, yeah. And I, I, y'all, if you've never watched any of these documentaries, phone boy has the information. I'm sure he can put the links in the show notes to these documentaries. Now, they're called what again? Well, well, there's fat a documentary, fat fat a documentary too. Then there's also Beyond Impossible. Those are the three that he's currently out there with. There's another exactly. one. So I don't remember when the other one is planned to come out. He hasn't he hasn't said yet, or at least in the recent episodes I've listened to, I haven't pulled it out. But but um, as soon as it does, we are definitely going to put our eyes on it, and we will let y'all know. That's right. Now. Um, so I, anyway, let's see, I'm just trying to think it. Yeah. It's like trying to quit these foods now is like trying to quit smoking in the 1960s, which uh, I think that's, you know, it is, it is difficult, but you can get off of them. I mean, we more or less have it. It's, uh, uh it just yeah. takes willpower and every single day holding yourself accountable and being present. Yeah. It says, that, okay, so luckily most of the substances are safe when used in moderation. Well, I don't know about that, but leading well, online medical research Healthline to re- uh, recommend uh, that the processed foods make up no more than 10 to 20% of the calories in a person's diet. 
Um, and as they say, and I, and I would say that that really, you should, you should have as close to 0% as possible, right? I mean, that's, a, but you know, is it, is it food? And that's actually a question I ask myself all the time. All the is time. It, and we say that in the grocery store, that's not food. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, I think we can, uh, I think we can move on to the next story. Take this job and shove it. All right. Well, I think this is a, as has somebody who actually has worked as an E in this, I think this is a good story for you to. Uh, I was actually going to. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> so the question posed is why ambulance staff in the UK and Australia are ready to quit the, the profession. Now, in many other countries, including Germany, France, Poland, Spain, the United States, Japan, Israel, and India, we're also in we're also facing increased pressures. This is due to more people using ambulance services, more complex patient needs, not enough staff and resources, and unmanageable workloads. And all of these factors have made it difficult for many of the ambulance services to operate. Many of the staff of these other countries also in they also face increased pressures this is due to more people i'm sorry what the fuck sorry yes. i'm gonna have to murder my co-host slightly because he has a massive copy paste error that just totally fucked my whole world up here yes. yeah sorry about that that's all right so this study studied two services similar in size and structure the welsh ambulance service nhs trust in the uk and ambulance victoria in australia they found that both services are close to the point where they may not be able to meet the needs of the people that they serve. And they identified smaller issues and problems in both locations, which are causing a lot of the employees to consider leaving the profession. They found that nearly 45% of the staff in Wales and 29% in Victoria are considering quitting. And if we and in Victoria, 16% of them said they're looking to leave the profession within the next year, and only 23% of them in Wales has the same time frame. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, and this is, and it's not just with this, um, you know, ambulance staff, it's, I'd say, all medical staff. I mean, oh, absolutely. I, 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 so, you know, again, uh, back in Wisteria Lane, one of the, uh, one of the, one of the cohorts uh, was, uh, worked in the, uh, the medical field uh, during COVID. And it's, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, they were, and, and of course with all the, you know, of course you had the vax mandates and that kind of thing. And, and, and so you add all, you add all this extra work and having to deal with all the COVID bullshit and having to get jabbed and everything. And it's like, no wonder these people don't want to fucking do the work anymore. Cause it's, they've added too much bullshit to the, to the, um, to, to, uh, to, and does it actually make people safer? That's a separate question, but. Well, I mean, I get the unmanageable workload side, you know, unfortunately, when you have an unmanageable workload and you've got bosses who are being pressured that then, you know, shit rolls downhill. Your boss is constantly on your ass because you can't get everything done in this shift that you need to do. I mean, obviously this stuff isn't like predetermined. You don't walk in and it's like, all right, at 2.45 p.m., Mrs. Jones is going to call for a hip fracture fall. At 3.02, you're going to have to turn and burn because you've got a car accident at 4th and fuck yourself. That's not how it works. You have days where it's so quiet, you wonder... If you didn't see other people moving around, you'd wonder if you were the only person in the world. Then you have days when you can't catch a breath. You don't even have time to take a piss. You're literally tossing one fucking 
you know, person into the ER and having to make the damn stretcher while your your partner is driving because you've got to turn around and go on another call. I understand being so busy that you don't have time to scratch your watch or wind your ass. So the fact that that's what a lot of these crews are dealing with because people don't want to work, first of all, you know, if you're short-staffed, the staff you do have has even more pressure put on them. And they're talking about a regular work week being 50 plus hours. And it's a struggle to keep up and it just keeps growing. The constant demands are impossible to achieve. They're worn out and no one seems to care in, at the Wales company. And some of the people that are working in this are falling out of love with the job that they once loved and excelled at, you know, for, for a very long time. You know, managers are pushing targets, budgets and times. You know, road staff is exhausted in Victoria. Morale is at the lowest that it's been seen in years. And listening to the disgusting phone calls received from road colleagues who are struggling, there's no respite of this pre pressure. It's a huge concern for frontline colleague welfare, according to the employees in Wales. Now, these comments feed into the issues of staff retention in both services as demands intensify. And there's a perceived lack of understanding and support from management and, more critically, a lack of resources. The real concern lies in how this will impact the quality of care provided to patients in both places. Now, their findings are supported by other research, which indicates that ambulance service staff are more likely to say their mental health had deteriorated following the COVID-19 pandemic and by default, their ability to work effectively in the longer term. Yeah, I'm sure shutdowns didn't help in that either. So the research also shows that workers in Wales and Victoria, that the ones in Australia are highly engaged and passionate about their work. They identify strongly with the job that they do, but they're approaching a crisis point due to increasing workload, burnout, and low morale. Some of the potential solutions are that they get more resources to support. You know, you need support when you're in that job. There's a lot of aspects to that particular job that a lot of people don't deal with. And it's interesting because a little side digression, I actually had a sheriff from one of the surrounding counties in my ride the other day. And we were having a conversation about some of the things that she's seen in lockup. And she told me that she had literally seen two inmates that had overdosed. So she's like, you know, I've seen two dead people. And I'm just like, wow, that blows my mind. Because the only other place that you're going to have that wonderful experience, if it isn't the military, on the regs, is definitely going to be in the EMS service, sadly. And that's not something... You know, you, you see a massive car accident where you have to tech on a little kid. That's going to get in your fucking head. You know, seeing grandma on the floor and she's been there for three days because she fell out of bed and nobody fucking knew until, you know, the visiting nurse came to check on her because maybe it was a weekend. And she's peed and pooed all over herself. The place smells terrible. Her skin is starting to... The integrity is decreasing and the fact that she's old 
is already a detriment. I mean, look, these are just a few things, you know, roll up to a scene and somebody blew their fucking head off with a shotgun. That's not shit you get out of your head. It's stuff you take home. It's stuff you take into your soul. So having support, having someone to talk to about it and not feeling like you're literally the only fucking crew in this entire city that can answer calls. Burnout is real. And this is very much an essential job. Because the difference between life and death truly could hinge upon whether or not there are people trained to be able to respond to that call. You know, we, we have a thing called the rule of three. And it's, and it's damn true. And anybody out there who's ever worked in EMS fire can vouch for the fact. The rule of three. 3 a.m., third floor or higher, 300 pounds or above. That's just how it's going to be on overnights. That's where you're going to get your rule of threes because it's definitely going to be somebody over 300 pounds. It's definitely going to be three o'clock in the morning and it's going to be at least the third floor, which means you're going to have to carry a till of the hun down those fucking stairs in a stair chair or on a cot, depending on what your situation is. And if you're understaffed, good fucking luck. I can tell you, I have had to do this on more occasions than I want to count. And it is not fun when you have a cot that you cannot get the wheels all the way up on because, you know, heifer Helen weighs 400 fucking pounds. So she's got to literally be perched precariously one or two clicks up while that cot is secured into place in the back of the rig. And guess who gets to be in the back of the rig while that thing sways to and fro sitting right on the side where if that thing decides to mechanically fail, you're losing your fucking legs. Yeah. Years truly. Yeah, well, it's insane. Yeah, actually, so so my cousin, um, one of my cousins, actually, uh, I don't know if she still works EMS. It's it's weird because in my um, when when because we're gonna we, Chris, we're gonna go visit um, we're gonna go visit my family when we go out to California. I'm excited. Yeah. However, there's one cousin. There, so so one of my cousins um, is I I don't I'm trying to remember the last time I've seen her. Now you know, Sue will come over. Um, you know when I when when I'm coming over there, she'll come over. Now, Yvonne does not. I have yet to see Yvonne come over any time that I've been over there. I'm sure she's invited, and you know, been invited because I, you know, we're gonna go visit. But that, but I know that's something she's done. I, I've never actually talked. I've never actually been able to talk with her about it because she's because she's never been. Uh, but it is an interesting thing. I'd be I'd be interested in to compare some notes, maybe. But oh yeah, I, I can imagine if she comes over and you know. You bring the fact up that for 11 years I worked in EMS. Oh, I'm sure that 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 would just be an instant like hours worth of sitting there talking shop swapping stories. Undoubtedly, yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's just it's just it's just an interesting. Uh, it's something I'm sitting here going, yeah, you know, Yvonne was worked in EMS as from what I remember correct. Maybe even one of her kids did too. I can't I, I can't remember. So the thing is, this okay. I'm not no. I'm not shitting on EMS. I've actually considered going back and getting my certification and probably going as far as becoming a paramedic. The thought has rattled around in the back of my mind because we've talked about the fact that you would prefer me not to go into law enforcement. And I respect that. Um, Even so, you know, so much as being a, a a corrections officer, you have said like, hey, you know, not, not, um, you know, I'd prefer if you didn't, I, be, I, I believe is yeah, what that, that's, exactly you yeah, said. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. It's like- and then I respect that. Okay, I respect that. 
Um, keeping on the outer fringes working fire EMS is fine with me if I decide to do that. And like I said, I'm not going to say that it was all shit. Okay. I do remember having a patient and I think I've talked about it on the show that had gotten into a really bad motorcycle wreck and had actually survived. We, we did not think that uh, this patient would survive, but they did. And then I encountered this patient, you know, sometime later in a professional situation and had remembered this person's name. So when I saw it, we had a little side conversation and that was a really great feeling of validation because a lot of times doing that job, it's a very thankless job. Yes, you have the feeling that, hey, I did something good for someone. And, you know, if you're a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, when that, when the tones hit, when the pager goes off, when the call comes in, yeah, your, your adrenaline spikes, you've, you've got that, that good part of the fight or flight, depending on what it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. If, if I got dispatched knowing it was a, a car accident with a tractor trailer involved, my heart sank. I'm, I'm automatically probably ghost white when I hear that. Or when I have any peed call, doesn't matter how insignificant. Kid calls were always a problem for me. Geriatric calls bothered me because I see people as somebody's son or daughter, somebody's mother, somebody's father. That is how I see people. And when I'm walking into grandma's house and she's been on the floor for three days, my heart goes out to that woman because to feel that alone and to be in a situation where you have no one that's coming to help you, you don't want to be in your own filth, but your body at some point, especially when you get older, it just, your body overrides and is like, look, whether you want this or whether you don't, here it is. You know, you're not able to reach any food, so you're probably hungry. Like, God, my heart just goes out to those people and it, it hurts me deeply. There, There's a reason I got out of EMS for a very long time because the, the pressure's and the shit that you see, you take that home with you. You you try not to. But being an empath, there's not a real whole lot that I could do not to take that shit home with me. There's another reason why nursing school was such a challenge. Yeah. Because I brought that shit home with me. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, I think with this, yeah, I mean, there's so much, um, yeah, I mean, there, there, it's, there's, yeah, so the job, I think, I think the takeaway we can have from this is, yeah, this, this is a job that some people love, but it's a really tough job, even if everything was going right. And then we got a bunch of stuff going wrong and you got people trying to leave for this job. I guess it's not really, um, you know, I guess, what can I, what, what can I say about that? Right. It's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me, I guess. Well, I, okay. So I guess. Having been in the industry for so long, I'm a little offended, okay, that after 9-11 and everything like that, because I was in EMS prior to 9-11, okay, and the fact that nobody really gave a fuck, we got, what, one day a year, if that, I don't, I don't even think back then, uh, and then Wookie could attest to this cause she and I used to run EMS together. Um, I don't even think back prior to 2001, there was a EMS, uh, you know, first responder appreciation day. We were just big fucking deal. I mean, being in Jersey, cause I worked EMS in Jersey and she worked 
Jersey a lot longer than I did. I mean, they had crews in like Jersey City and, and Trenton and rough places like that that they, they'd shoot at the fucking ambulances. You know, they were they were putting razor blades on the other on the underside of railings. So if you were using the railing to get down, you could end up getting cut. And God knows if you, you know, we're going to get infected by something because maybe the razor blade had I don't fucking know blood on it. You don't know if that blood contained hep C, AIDS, whatever. I mean, it. and now after 9-11, everybody's all like, you know, oh, discounts for fire, EMS and police. And, you know, there's an appreciation day and there's there's all this ass kissing and dick sucking that goes on that didn't exist exist before 2001. And that, that just kind of bugs me because the job has not become any less crucial. It has only become more stressful and more demanding on the people who do it, especially those poor folks who had to be masked up with that diaper on their face. And it's already hotter than fuck in the back of an ambulance to begin with, even with the air conditioning on. I just, I I can't, I, I go on little Phoenix rant because this is near and dear to me, having done this for 11 years and still having a great love for it because it's an it's a necessary you know um service in in the world and without it people literally could die i mean it's literally the the difference between life and death if you have somebody who can't breathe and they're not going to get to the hospital without a breathing treatment they're they're going to end up flatlining without ems they're dying in in the family member's car and that's if they had a family member to bring them That's just one example of this shit isn't a joke. We need these people in our, in our communities. And on that note, y'all, I know y'all know it, but use your heads. When you hear a siren, when you see the flashing lights, if you're on the road, move over. Okay. Give them space. Get the fuck out of the way when they're coming through. I can't tell you how many times. Now I can tell you the, the EMS rig in Nashville is fucking huge. I wouldn't be surprised if you have to have a CDL to operate this beautiful beast. And people who can obviously see this car, you know, back here, we got the flashing lights, we got the siren, you can hear it, you can see it. Let these fucking people in to clear that lane. Stop being an asshole. Just my PSA for the day. Yeah. yeah Chris, you talked about 9-11. I have to, I, I'm obligated by law to play this clip. WTC said it won't go away. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, you're uh, aware. Uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, you your your soliloquy uh, did not offer an opportunity which to uh, to play that uh, clip. So no, because I will I will tell you like un uncensored. Um, I'm sick and fucking tired of nine eleven. To be honest with you, that's why when nine eleven came along last year, uh, or no, maybe it was this year. I think it might have... Didn't we... I know one year that we've been doing this show, we said, fuck it, we're not doing the normal dick-sucking 9-11, boo-hoo, we lost a bunch of motherfuckers. We went straight for the JFK conspiracy. Yeah, that was... was, I believe that was uh, not this year, but last year. Wow. We fucking failed an opportunity to be conspiracy theorists (laughs) on the one day we could get away with it? (gasps) Shame on us on such a 
fucking level. Bad podcaster, get the spray bottle. I'm oh, ashamed of myself. Yeah, well, I know we're not we're not doing our job as licensed conspiracy therapists if, if we don't if we don't, uh, you know. But anyway, um, exactly. I, th- I think it's time. To, I think we've uh, spent enough time on that story. I think we can go on to the next story. Yeah. So um, now, uh, sleeping less than five hours daily raises depression risk, and 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 this is. I went through a period of time. I totally can back yeah. that up because if I don't get enough sleep, man, it fucks up my head. Yeah. Well, poor sleep and depression are often said to be linked. However, the question of which precedes the other has puzzled researchers, uh, much like the classic chicken or egg dilemma. Now, sleeping less than five hours daily raises the risk of developing depression by two point five times, uh, which which is yeah. While while the chance of developing poor sleep out of depression is only one third, the recent studies revealed. Now, according to the study, individuals with a stronger uh, genetic predisposition to sleeping less than five hours daily had a higher risk of developing depressive symptoms over a period of four to twelve years. Meanwhile, those with a greater genetic inclination to develop depression did not have an elevated risk of experiencing short sleep. Now, um, you know, yeah, this is I mean, yeah, this is one of the things we've been trying to sort of uh, tweak in our, um, you know, in, in, in our uh, in our lifestyle here as part of our uh, as part of yeah, part of. Well, I, I don't think we can call it 75 hard anymore. Then we call it something. I'm not sure. But yeah, we can call it a failed experiment of how not to get back on track. Now, don't get me wrong. We're doing really good with the diet portion. The exercise portion is increasing. Fuck no, I can't drink an entire gallon of water every single day while I'm driving around Nashville. It literally, not figuratively, cut into my paycheck because having to stop, turn the app off, go to the bathroom, turn the app back on. I missed probably easily... 30 to $40 a day in rides just from the fact I was guzzling down an entire gallon of water while out on the road. No, hell no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, meanwhile, um, so, uh, but I, but uh, I actually, um, it's funny because I ran, so I, so I can play the. We're actually we're transitioning stories here because it's related to this, uh, to this topic of getting a, a lack of sleep. Uh, so uh, there is no such thing as Silicon Heaven. Then where do all the calculators go? So, um, so I had an old alarm clock, and 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 I first remember seeing um, that it was it, it was a made by Fairchild Semiconductor, is a time band C six one one zero, at at my at my mom's house when I was three, and and which um, which I believe places the, the purchase of this between nineteen seventy six and nineteen seventy seven, and this is like you know this is when they started making digital watches and digital uh, digital clocks and that kind of thing. So it was very uh, uh, so it's very early in that thing, and Fairchild. Was it was a famous semiconductor um, uh, outfit uh, and that thing? I think they still exist. They've just been, uh, um, what, what do you? Um, yeah, they've been they've been doing this stuff. Um, excuse me for a second. I think I need to sneeze. Can you talk for a second? <laughs> I love how I have to vamp because he needs to sneeze and he's afraid of dead air. You know, so hopefully that did not come through my. Yeah, well, hopefully it didn't come as bad through as it went through if it were sitting right at my nose level, which is a problem. So this so, is true. You want to talk about an overmodulation, and you could have possibly even shorted out your microphone if you had some kind of snotteth make it through. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so in any way, I ended up with that. I, I ended up with that clock, and I even found a picture that um, which which I'm gonna which I'm gonna actually paste in the uh, for those who are listening right now. I'm going I'm going to go ahead. For those in the chat, he'll put it in the yeah, chat. If, otherwise. If, It'll be in the show notes. It'll, otherwise, it'll be in the show notes. So, um, if you look at this, uh, so there's a um, th- this this fo- this the photograph of this was uh, so this is this is a, oh, that's a that's a photo of the clock. I guess I, I probably should have gotten the actually the picture that it would that it appeared in. But well, yeah, because we didn't.
didn't want people to see what a tiny little phone boy looked like. With a tiny little phone boy, I should actually probably do that because that's because actually that's kind of what I wanted to do was was that. So uh, let me let me actually let me let me pull that real fast here. But uh, but phone boy looks like every other bratty little blonde Californian kid. Okay, so 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 here we go. This is this is this is actually the one. That's actually what I was looking for. Was that okay? So uh, that will be what I actually put in the show notes. So don't mind me. But uh, so so this this is how I you know. So I mean I I remember this clock from when I was like three or four years old. And and there's a photo. There's a one photo I have of this clock from that time period or roughly that time period was a picture with my sister um, from like 1970. I think it's 1978 or 79, something like that. and uh, so you can see this clock over over the over to the, uh, um, you know, and, and it, yes, I was I was a cute little kid, but um, you and know, now you're I, just a handsome man. Now I'm just a handsome man. So now, I, so that's the, I basically used that clock pretty much uh, more or less like the the entire time up until the 25th of December of 2007 when I noticed the clock, which was in my son's bedroom at the time, uh, was stuck on midnight. Now I tried to set the time on it, and it didn't respond except for the low buzzing sound it was uh, emitting at the time. And if I had the inclination back in the day, I probably could have fixed it. I mean, I took it apart and looked at it and, um, and, and I just didn't have the, you know, I didn't, it was just kind of looked at it and went, eh, well, you know, what am I going to, what am I going to have time to do this? And so it got thrown away. Now, um, now you could, okay. Now, I can't, I can't take it anymore. I've got to say it. Tell the, tell the pedal heads why the alarm clock was in your son's room phone boy. Well, I, I will get there. This, this is uh, so now. Even today, among all the other gadgets, gizmos, and electronics have come and gone through my life. My old alarm clock, the the ugly and yellowing with age, was still holds the record at more than thirty years of service in my life. Now, whatever my mom paid for it in the mid nineteen seventies, I'm sure we got our money's worth out of it. And it, it lasted far longer than anyone thought it would. That's for sure. Uh, now, among other arm, alarm clocks I've owned, this one had two redeeming features. Now, it would survive a momentary power outage or brownout without resetting. It didn't have a battery or anything like that so you know it had to the power had to be out for you know probably three seconds or something before it would uh, reset when you when it powered back on so that uh, means that it literally kept energy in that cell for that like three seconds in order for that to happen that's that's pretty interesting because when you think about the discharge on that once you unplug it yeah, exactly. Now, the other thing it had is an alarm that would unfortunately wake the dead. Um, now, I can't find any recordings of this alarm clock, but I can the best the best description I can give to it is it's a digitally generated air horn, and it's loud, folks. Um, now, even though it's been a couple decades since I've la- yeah, last used this alarm clock, growing up with it and using this alarm clock for nearly three decades trained me to wake up well before any other alarm clock goes off. And it may be partially responsible for the fact that I have to get up and you know, and, and, and if I have to get up somewhere that the beginning of the, you know the early the next morning yeah i'm not going to sleep real well um, and in fact it's in fact i think I, I was thinking about this earlier today and i realizing that yeah this so yeah this alarm clock was pretty uh, i've never i've never heard another alarm clock like it um, in fact i might even go on ebay and buy and, and there's a couple of uh, similar models that are actually on that, that, that are actually on ebay right now and that what I, would be cool is if they had a sound <laughs> clip of what the alarm on it sounds like so you would know what you were getting that's that's right but uh yeah that, that's so i still 
still don't know this, but but the reason I brought this story up was number one, it kind of it's been it, it's funny. I actually this is actually so I, the the link in the show notes will be to the to the most recent blog post on this. Um, the um, you know the other, but uh, you know I, I realized I'd written two different blog posts on it, one in two thousand seven and two thousand eight when it first happened, and then in two thousand eight I, I I did it again. But um, it is it, like I said, it, it's it's funny that yeah, they're, they're, they're actually on eBay. There's like a whole bunch of people selling like vintage alarm clocks, you know, digital ones or, or not, or, you know, or, or whatever it's. Have uh, you perchance tried typing in that exact model number to y- eBay? Yes. I, yeah, they don't have, trust me. Uh, they do not have that specific model. They've got some models that are close, but. Uh, it, it was a long shot, but I mean, you, you got to give a girl a, a, you know. Yeah. Well, there's actually, there was part that was probably almost the exact one. The problem is, is it was in the UK and expensive. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, that does tend to happen. Yeah. So we were, so I, yeah, it probably wouldn't be wired. If it's in the UK, it's probably not a US model. So that, that, that would be another issue that we have to deal with. That could with. be a problem with the plug, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, with a lot of other things. So in any case, um, it, but I'm sure, but I really do think it as I'm starting to think about this more is that it's that because, yeah, I, I don't, I, unfortunately, um, yeah, I, I've basically traumatized myself with this fucking alarm clock. And, and I'm not, I'm not surprised that my ex was not a, a fan of it, although, you know, but again, she was, she never, she didn't like it. And of course, to try to keep the peace, I, that's why I moved it to a different bedroom and got a different one that was not nearly as uh, offensive to her. But at the same time, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, I couldn't have anything in my own shit. You know, it's, it, it's what seems like you go back through, you know, a lot of the, a lot of what I had to deal with is, is, you know, I basically I wasn't really much. I wasn't, quote unquote, allowed to, to like have my own existence. That was, uh, you know, unless it was like in my own space or whatever. And even then my fucking space was invaded by fucking people with their shit because they didn't. I was going to say even then your space wasn't respected. No. Um, I mean, you know, I had in my office and in my bedroom, right? I, I had stuff of other people's. And so, which, which I'm sorry, like, you know, that's especially when you're in a house where you don't even really have your own space. It's like, just it's just offensive to me, but you know, I guess it's a, you know, there's a, re- there's a reason why we're divorced. Yeah, well, it's interesting because you talk about not having your own space, and that kind of transitions into our next story. That's right. So why do people with hoarding disorder hoard, and how can we help? So hoarding disorder is an under-recognized serious mental illness that worsens with age. It affects 2.5% of the working age population and 7% of older folks. People who hoard and their families often feel ashamed and don't get the support that they need. Clutter can make it hard to do most things for, for us, and most of those things we take for granted you know, eating at a table or sleeping in a bed. And in the gravest cases, homes are completely unsanitary, either because it's become impossible to clean or because the person saves garbage. And the strain on the family can be extreme. Couples get divorced. Children grow up feeling unloved. Now, there is a show, of course, that I'm sure we've all heard of called Hoarders that documents the lives of these people and just how bad. I mean, I've watched this show It's frightening to see just mountains of things in living rooms, bedrooms. You know, I I can't. It breaks my brain, you guys, to think about these people who literally have so much stuff that they 
can't cook a meal in their kitchen. They barely can sleep on their bed if they're lucky enough to have a small little spot that they've carved out for themselves. They're just literally surrounded by kipple. And sometimes it little it literally even kills them because they'll have a a kipple slide, as I'll call it, and get buried underneath their stuff and nobody checks on them and they end up dying. So why do people with hoarding disorder hoard and how can we help them? What causes this disorder? Saving millions of objects, many that are worthless by objective standards, often makes little sense to those unfamiliar with the condition. However, most of us become attached to at least a few possessions. Perhaps we like the way they look or they trigger a memory. Yeah, much. I mean, I mean, the clock. I think you know. We talked about that. I mean, that that that's you know, it it, it was it, it triggered a memory, and I think and I think it uh you know part of that was a happier time because I mean, if I'm honest, like that clock, right? I mean, that came from a time and that that clock came from a time in my life, right? When I, but before like all the, I mean, we because we've been talking about you know my own my own personal things that have gone on, and then we and then there's you know, clearly something happened in my life at a certain at a certain point, right? And and, and you can and you can tell in some of the pictures that. You, you look at that, yeah. Something, and, and I, re, and I, from what I remember, my my family members telling me at the time was that, hey, you know, something is, you know, something happened to you, and like the life, you know, your life just kind of went, you know, went went out of, you know, went out of you or something. The light yeah. left your eyes. Yeah, it it did, and so, yeah, I mean, and I'm still trying to figure out what that is, right? I don't, I don't know what it is, because because you know, it's one, it's one of those things that, you know, at some point, I'm gonna, it's gonna have to come out and see the light of day, but I don't know what it is, and I don't know where to, I don't even know where to begin. Most of the people People that would uh, would know anything about it are probably not, uh, um, you know, they're probably probably not alive anymore. So um, right, exactly. So and and it's not a conversation. It's just it's not a conversation that I, I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily sure I want. That, you know, I'm ready to have that conversation, but um, but but I but again I don't. But again I don't even know who I'd have it with. Maybe my you know maybe my aunt Marie or something. But that's about that's about it. Um, but yeah, but but that clock does remind me of a, of, a, of a time when things were you know maybe things weren't so quite so bad because of when that clock came into my life. Exactly. And, you know, I, I've often said, even though she has vehemently denied it, that my mother is a hoarder to some degree. And she finally has admitted that <clears throat> out loud. Thank God. And I do, because of her living with us, I do try to keep her hoarding to a massive minimum because I don't want my house filled, no matter what room it is, filled with a lot of kipple. I just I don't see a purpose in it. And so anything that she's going to have brought over, we scrutinize and make sure, like, is this something you really need, like, for your day-to-day life? Because she has storage units that she can put her stuff in if it needs to leave its current location. And if it's something that's going to be useful to her, that's great. But if it's not something that really has a lot of use, we don't have a lot of room to be just stacking up a whole lot of shit. This, This is my house. I will not have hoarding. In my house, so neither, neither will I, because I mean, right. my own, I, I mean, we I have my keep own the kipple to a massive minimum, and then when we start feeling like it's getting a little bit ridiculous, we definitely make some reduction. We get rid of shit. I've never had someone who has been so helpful in helping me to sort. Do I really need this? Have I worn this in the last year? You know, there, there's a lot of conversations that occur about what do you keep. <clears throat> what do you get rid of and the like and 
I can remember when I was going through clothing, making that strong decision of, do I need to keep this? It doesn't matter if it holds sentimental value in some way. How much sentimental value does it hold? And that's why when I go through my own storage units, it's going to be a very interesting experience and be a rather lengthy project because I have myself, I have some items that I'm going to have to come to terms with. Does this still serve me in my life? And because I don't like throwing things away. If, if an old item can be given new life, that's why Goodwill is one of my favorite places. I'm glad we have one here in town and we have occasionally donated to them. We have stuff that we're like, you know what? This no longer serves my purpose in life, but it can be something someone else can get benefit from. Donate it to Goodwill and you get a receipt for your charity to knock off your taxes, which is great. Yeah, and, and and you know, and yeah, two of the monitors we got sitting up here uh, came from Goodwill. So that's right. And yeah. if you know how expensive monitors are, that's a- if if you're getting any amount of time out of those monitors for the minor price that they are charging. Uh, that's a win. Yeah, exactly. All day long. So I think, that, yeah. So and and you know, I grew up with this. You know, my my uh, my mom my uh, my mom and my grandma were both uh, were both hoarders to various degrees, right? Research has shown genetic factors. Sorry, uh, play a role, but there's no single gene that causes hoarding disorder. Instead, a range of psychological, neurobiological, and social factors can be at play. And although some who hoard report being deprived of material things in childhood, emotional deprivation may play a strong role. People with hoarding problems often report excessively cold parenting, difficulty connecting with others, and more traumatic experiences. They may end up believing people are unreliable and untrustworthy and that it's better to rely on objects for comfort and safety. And people with hoarding disorder are often as attached or perhaps more attached to possessions than to the people in their lives. Their experiences have taught them their self-identity is tangled up in what they own, that if they part with their possessions, they will lose themselves. Research has shown that interpersonal problems such as loneliness are linked to greater attachment to objects. Hoarding disorder is associated with high rates of attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, difficulties with decision-making, planning, attention, and categorization can make it hard to organize and discard possessions. People end up avoiding these tasks, which lead to unmanageable amounts of clutter or kipple, as we call it. And not everyone takes the same path to hoarding. Most people, most people, Jesus Christ on crack, folks. The tongue is stoned. Somebody, Somebody glue my dentures in. Most people with hoarding disorder also have strong beliefs about their possessions. For example, they're more likely to see beauty or usefulness in things and objects that possess human-like qualities like intentions, emotions, or free will. Many also feel responsible for objects and for the environment. While others might think twice about discard might not think twice about discarding broken or disposable things, people with hoarding disorder can anguish over their fate. This need to control, rescue, and protect objects is often at odds with the beliefs of friends and family, which can lead to conflict and social isolation. Now, not everyone with hoarding disorder describes the same pathway to overwhelming clutter. Some report more cognitive difficulties, while others have experienced more emotional deprivation. So it's important to take an individualized approach to treatment. Now, how can we treat this disorder? 
There's specialized cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, tailored for hoarding disorders. Different strategies are used to address the different factors contributing to a person's hoarding. Cognitive behavioral therapy can also help people understand and gradually challenge their beliefs about possessions. They may begin to consider how to remember, connect, feel safe, or express their identity in ways other than through inanimate objects. And treatment can also help people learn the skills needed to organize, plan, and discard. Regardless of their path to hoarding, most people with the disorder will benefit from a degree of exposure therapy. This helps people to gradually learn to let go of their possessions and resist acquiring new ones. Exposure to triggering situations such as visiting shopping centers, op shops, or mounds of clutter without collecting new items can help people learn to tolerate their urges and distress. Treatment can help in an individual or group setting or via telehealth, because that's the way we're going nowadays. And research is underway on ways to improve the treatment options further. For example, learning different emotional regulation strategies. Sometimes a harm avoidance approach is best. And addressing the emotional and behavioral drivers of hoarding through cognitive behavioral therapy is crucial. But hoarding is different to most other psychological disorders. Complex cases may require a lot of different agencies to work together. For example, healthcare workers may work with fire and housing officers to ensure the person can live safely in their home. Uh, when people have severe hoarding problems and are reluctant to engage in treatment, a harm avoidance approach can be best. This means working with the person with the disorder to identify the most pressing safety hazards and come up with a practical plan to address them. We have to continue to improve our understanding and treatment of this complex disorder and address barriers to accessing help. This will ultimately help reduce the devastating impact of the hoarding disorder on individuals, their families, and the community. Yeah, um, it's yeah, like it, like I mean, we've both lived with uh, hoarders. I mean, like it, like I said, like I think we've uh, we we talked we talked about that, and it's it's this is a uh, you know it, it is there's there's a lot there, right? I mean, it's I mean not just really. not just and not when just, I think about all the shit that my mom has. We were recently talking about the fact that. In order for her and I to improve our relationship, we've got a lot of baggage we need to unpack and take a look at and then discard. And I do think that that definitely contributes a lot to her hoarding is what she endured from the time she was essentially 16 until my father died. Yeah, I mean, the, and yeah, and I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's some of that. And I think, I think one of the things that sort of, um, that I remembered in, in this, um, in going through this story, and yes, we're probably going to, I'm probably going to edit out the, uh, <laughs> our, our little, um, our, our technical difficulty earlier. Yeah, I, I think there actually has to be some post prod because that was a giant pain in the motherfucking ass. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, we will, we'll, yeah, we, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking for the clip the, a few moments later. You know? Oh my god, that's so funny! Yeah, we, we, which, we, which we did because we, we had a we had a uh, we 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 actually we added did an episode it, of Coffee and Chronic where there was a six second like brain break that Empress Emily M suffered. So she thought it would be funny, and we agreed to find the SpongeBob clip of seven seconds later, which we were not able to find, but we did find another one yeah. that is just as suiting. Yes, exactly. And hilarious. Yes, so exactly. So we put it in that okay. 
silence instead okay. of truncating okay. it. Yeah. So, all right. Um, I, let's go on to the last health story here. Oh. 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 That was me this morning at about 5 a.m. That's for the toasted jam, y'all. Yeah. But uh, since I got a lot of feedback about when I played the Ozempic clip without the follow-up clip that we played when we actually reported on that being a side effect of Ozempic, I got a lot of feedback when I only played the beginning clip of, what the hell? I, I was waiting for the shits. And I'm like, all right, I'll put it back in. That's exactly how that works. So, um, so on on October twelfth, Novo Nordisk, the maker of the popular weight loss and diabetes medications Wegovy and Ozempic, issued a warning about the growing number of online sites offering counterfeit versions of these drugs. Now, their warning came in response to an earlier message from the European Medicines Agency detailing the existence of fake Ozempic pens in both the UK and the European Union. I'm sure it exists elsewhere too. Novo Nordisk's warning was followed soon after on October twenty first with a report that several people had been hospitalized in Austria. Have after, after using what was suspected to be fake Ozempic. Now, the patients were said to have experienced hypoglycemia, abnormally low blood sugar, and seizures. Now, according to BASG, the Austrian agency in charge of safety and healthcare, these symptoms indicate that they probably received the diabetes drug insulin rather than semaglutide, the active ingredient in both Wegovy and Ozempic. Now, when a person takes too much insulin, either because it's the incorrect dose or because they don't need it, they can experience insulin overdose. So, uh, more, uh, yeah, more, more severe symptoms of insulin overdose can include unconsciousness or even death which is true yes and actually uh, when i heard that the the first thing i thought when they were hospitalized with hypoglycemia and seizures and everything like that my immediate thought went that's an insulin overdose because that's actually the way uh, a serial killer nurse had killed a few of her patients uh that were diabetic uh, she made the mistake, you know. That's how you know you fucked up. Gave the insulin to non-diabetic patients. That's how she got her ass caught. But that was immediately what I thought when I saw that was, oh, fuck, they, they OD'd on insulin. Like, that's dark. Yeah, exactly. Now, you might get some milder symptoms of overdose and of, of insulin can include sweatiness, dizziness, hunger, shakiness, and confusion. Yeah, I have- that sounds like my day at work every day. Exactly. Now, um, but I think we're I think we're going out of the health segment. We need to. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a little happiness here. The key to life is a penis in your asshole. Yeah, we are. Yeah, apparently the uh, coal mine is being used to provide uh, green energy. Who knew that uh, that was possible? So an old coal mine was filled with warm water and, and has been heating the town with, with green energy for at least six months. Now, the, Britain's deep coal mines have become a surprising source of green energy, one that's heating the town of Gateshead successfully for six months. Now, the scheme is believed to be replicatable in areas with extensive abandoned mine works and offers a kind of renewable redemption for a nation with a long history of dirty energy. Now, Gateshead's council mine water Water project launched in March of 2023 and now has a large central heat pump that provides low carbon heating to 350 high rise buildings, an art gallery, a college, an industrial park, and several office buildings. Now, as oil and gas gradually replaced coal, 
Britain's hundreds of miles of coal mining tunnels were gradually abandoned over the decades. Uh, inundated by floodwaters that become heated when by the Earth's core, Britain suddenly had a semi-naturally occurring geothermal uh, energy source to harvest. And, yeah, and, and by the way, in Hawaii, that's actually one of they they use they do uh, the the the, the delta they're using the the delta between the the surface uh, seawater and the below seawater, and, and, and actually they're able to generate energy that way, kind of in a similar idea. That's awesome. Yeah. So at certain depths, mine water can sit at over 100 degrees Fahrenheit or precisely 45 degrees Celsius. Now, the, the renewable energy here uses uh, involves pumping the water into home heat pumps, which further raises the temperature. Now, the super hot mine water then heats the interior space and home water supply. Now, after the heat is ex expended, the water is sent back down to the mine where it's naturally reheated. Now, huge advantages come with this kind of heating, including the fact that the water isn't affected by the winter or the summer, and the water can also be used to cool homes. Now, Recovering heat from mine water below the ground with abandoned coal mines uh, provides an exciting opportunity to create a, uh, a, a low carbon, uh, um, it's, it's, yeah, low carbon secure supply of heat, benefiting people living or working in buildings or on the coal fields. So Gareth Farr, head of the Heat and Byproduct Innovation of the Coal Authority, told Euro News. Now that's that's a that sounds like a, a, a or you know, the, and then the authority owns and manages the discussed coal mining infrastructure on behalf of the UK government and their water resources amount to about 2 billion cubic meters or half the amount of water in Loch Ness. With many millions of people living upon abandoned coal fields in Great Britain, the potential for mine water heat could be significant. Now, while the while the Gateshead project is the largest in Europe, it's it's not the only such setup, nor was it the first reclaimed uh, coal mine water projects for heating have been established in the Netherlands and Spain, as well as across the Atlantic and Canada, which is a, um, you know, that's a, yeah, I mean, it's, it, that's, it's nice to see that something, you know, that reuse something, right? We talk about reduce, reusing, and recycling. That's seems like a you know fantastic use the coal mines that aren't being used for something that can that's can be kind of useful i kind of like this i absolutely do i i think it's fantastic that they're doing this and it appeases the Greenpeace pricks, too. Yeah, exactly now all right so i, I skipped ahead a little bit in the script here and so we can move on to the next one Now that okay, so I have to explain the clip because uh, so I went I went to a high school in Hawaii and actually one of the and and, and one of the songs that we that we sing ever uh, we actually sang it twice a year once at um, yeah yeah or was twice twice in our senior year once as part of the like the, the the Olympics which were the different classes compete with each other and then we also do it at graduation right so so yeah I could probably I could I could probably jump in on a on a on a rendition of Holy Waimea at any point in time because that's that's exactly uh, what it is and I actually found this was a we were trying to find a, a clip to to, to to do this and was like well actually when i when i looked for recordings for a holy white man what came up was something from my high school so i decided exactly and i have to say <clears throat> the way i found the name even because i had forgotten what you had said the song's name was and of course i didn't want to ask you because i wanted to surprise you so i literally looked up the name of your high school because of course i wear your class ring now with pride and I literally looked up the alma mater song for your high school, and that's what came up. Yeah, that, that is exactly right. Now, now unfortunately, I went to the, the school I went to was on, on the big island in Hawaii. This story is about Maui, but it is OK. We, we, we you know, we 
It's still Hawaii. That's right. So buried under the 24-hour news cycles of the last few months, recovery in Lahaina is progressing one tiny house at a time. Now, William Fincher, an owner of two restaurants in the historic Maui town, which tragically burned down this August, is receiving help from neighbors and friends to build a pair of tiny homes for his family of a wife, two kids, and two dogs. Now, Fincher lost both restaurants and his home in the fires, but within three or four days, local builder uh, Juan Riki was uh, ordering materials to help the Fincher family construct the tiny houses. He did it all from his own pocket until the build team, including Fincher, Ricky, and some more friends, had set up a GoFundMe to look for the money. Uh, Javier uh, Baberi, a close friend, uh, told Good Morning America in no uncertain terms that Fincher was, was Lahaina through and through, and he simply had to stay in order to help rebuild and recover the spirit of the town. Uh, Barberi gave Fincher space on his land to build. With Barberi's help and Ricky's instruction, the tiny homes started coming together. Fincher knew a bit about woodshop, but laying insulation, framing doors, and roofing were all skills he didn't have. Rick, Ricky and his uh, workers that provided free labor and instruction. He started building these homes out of the goodness of his own heart and paying everything out of pocket. He trusts the money will come, writes volunteer Andreas uh, Alfaro on the GoFundMe page, which has so far raised $13,000 of its goal of $100,000. Now, what started as a few guys coming together to support their neighbor in Fincher has turned into a bold grassroots effort to raise money to build small long-term homes for displaced residents and pay locals who lost their jobs in the fire to do it, with Ricky providing the on-the-job training from 20 years' experience building on Hawaii. That's the idea, to raise some money and keep going and start paying the guys that have been working, Ricky told GMA. Now, Lahaina is the best place in the world without a doubt, and now it's still, and, and now it's still there, said Fincher. Well, you know, it's, I, you know, we, of course, we're not hearing about this. You know, you know, I'm sure they're, they're still trying to get people off the island because, hey, that's all, that's a land that's probably worth something if you, you build it up right, but. Um, yeah, so it's exactly, yeah. So, but, um, I, I think that's all I've got for that. And so now we're into the cavalcade of stupidity and we did get a, we did get one this week from Rev Cybertrucker. So here we go. Thank you for your service. All right. Let's see if I can get the thing to play. Hey there, get ready to take a trip down memory lane as we dive into the funky fresh beats of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. This next track is an absolute classic, a tale that'll send shivers down your spine and make you groove at the same time. So buckle up, because we're about to step into a hip-hop horror story that's going to have you moving and grooving. So let's dive all the way back to 1988's album, He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper, with DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, a nightmare on my street. Now I have a story that I'd like to tell about this guy you all know me as we scared as hell. He comes to me at night after I call into bed. He's burnt up like a weenie and his name is Fred. He wears the same hat and sweater every single day. And even if it's hot outside, he wears it anyway. He's gone when I'm awake, but he shows up when I'm I remember it right And we had just gotten back off tour last night So the gang and I thought that it would be groovy If we summon up the posse and dumb rush the movies I got Angie, Jeff got Tina Ready Rock got some girl I've never seen in my life 
that was alright though cause the lady was chill Then we dipped to the theater set to ill bugging Cole having a ball And something about Elm Street was the movie we saw The way it started was decent, you know Nothing real fancy about this homeboy named Fred And this girl named Nancy But word when it was over, I said, yo, that was death And everything seemed alright when we left But when I got home and laid down to sleep That began the nightmare, nightmare. on my street Yeah, DJ Jadji, that's the song. I, I like that song actually. That's a that's a nice. I, I, we'll we'll play that. At, we'll play that at the uh, uh, jury. And, and I've heard that one before. Yeah, I've played love it. Love it though. Absolutely love it. Thank you, Rev Cyber Trucker. You yeah. are the man. You are you are the fucking man. All right. So now, um, so we have tales from rideshare. This is um, and um, now I actually pulled this as a story because we. I was going to say this is not on me. This one's just a story. Yes. Well, and I'm, the only reason I want to mention it, this is kind of an honorable mention, but it's related to rideshare because we talked about the fact that Nashville was going to have these uh, autonomous uh, vehicles from Cruise doing. Yeah. T- uh, uh, dishonorable mention if you ask me because fuck those things i was getting ready to buy me a couple of them collapsible road cones and putting them on the passenger side floor so if i ran into one of these fucking autonomous taxis i could just pop that fucking road cone up put it on the hood of that bitch drive away laughing yeah so the um yeah so cruise the autonomous vehicle operator backed by general motors says it decided to proactively pause its fleet of driverless cars across the united states and would include nashville i assume uh, the oper- i would think so yeah the operations halt just comes two days after california regulators uh suspended cruises robo taxi permit in the state claiming that its vehicles are not safe for public operation they're really not we've covered stories about like these things stopping in the middle of a emergency scene and um i mean there, there's just there's been a couple of things where something's gone very wrong with these taxis so i think this is a move by cruise to possibly stem a bigger problem and try to control the raging fire that's been caused and I think it's a good move. Yeah. So earlier this month, the National High- Highway uh, Highway Traffic Safety Commission uh, um, or Administration announced it was investigating crews after receiving reports of pedestrian injuries involving the company's driverless vehicles. Now, one notable incident that occurred on October 2nd in San Francisco um, resulted in, beco- in a woman becoming pinned under a cruise robo taxi after being struck by another driver and thrown in the path of the autonomous vehicle. What the fuck, man? Like, holy crap. That's why I'm saying I really think that this is absolutely a move because if you look, okay, they're saying that on the second of the month, this incident happened. This is absolutely a PR nightmare. And this is them trying to quickly mitigate before this becomes even more of a problem. Because if it happens once, it'll happen again. And I I just I think it's a definite ass covering safe move that they instituted here. Yeah, I think so. Um, now, meanwhile, in, in real um, real rideshare, uh, what entails from rideshare, what do you got? So the first thing I have is that, and the first and second stories, because I don't have a lot of rideshare because I didn't work a lot this week. I, I had a lot going on. But the, um, the first thing I have kind of almost relates to the second thing in so much as I had a ride. It was the last ride for the week subsequently. And it happened on Thursday night since I didn't work yesterday. I had a wonderful passenger 
And it, it, it wasn't a horribly long ride, but it was it was a pretty good ride. And it was taking me in the direction to go home. So I figured, all right, you know, I can use an extra couple of cents. I'll pick up this ride. Well, unbeknownst to me, and even though I looked in the back seat, I did not see there was a cell phone laying on the seat behind me. So, of course, when I kind of do my little, because people sit on the passenger side in the back, I do my kind of, you know, turn around, look at the back seat just to kind of see if there's anything there. Well, because this was on the completely other seat, I didn't see it. So as I'm driving home after dropping this lovely person off, I hear the football theme. And I don't know if it's Monday night or Sunday night football but the stream is on of course because the stream is always on and it was a little louder than the stream but it almost seemed like it was coming from my speakers so I'm going yeah because it, it, it just happened to coincide with a silent time on the stream like um uh transition between songs so as I'm listening I'm like wow, Phone Boy added this song in. It's a little louder than the rest of them, but okay, you know, we'll we'll deal with levels. I'll let them know about it. And then I just happened to turn my head because it stopped and then it started again. And I turned my head and went, oh, fuck, that's a cell phone ringing. So I stopped the car. I look back, sure as fuck. There's the cell phone with the screen lit up. Now, I don't answer people's cell phones if they leave them in my car especially because I knew whose it had been and I knew where, like how to get back to her house. It was just that it's an old truck driver thing where you take, uh, you know, you take notice of the streets that are around places and so on and so forth. So long story is short, spin around, head back to her house. She is absolutely beside herself, excited to see me because I find out her husband is on a business trip. So he's not even home. She had to use her neighbor's phone to call her own cell phone. So she was so overjoyed, ended up giving me a large tip and she gave me a hug. Like when I opened the window and I held her phone out the window, she gave me a hug. She was so happy that I had brought her phone back. And she even yelled to her neighbor, she brought it back. (laughs) And it, it made me feel really good because I know what it's like to lose your cell phone. Like, even if I misplace that shit in the house, I'm like, where the fuck is my phone? Because I can control all the other devices as far as the do my find my from my cell phone. And I know I can do it from my tablet or whatever, but my brain's not thinking that when I don't know where my cell phone is. My brain is like me patting myself down while spinning around in a circle looking like a fucking idiot chasing my own tail. Like, where the fuck is my phone? Where did I put it? So I know what that feels like. Your whole phone lives, you know, your whole life lives on your phone. So it was it was my pleasure to have been able to take a couple minutes out of, you know, my time to go back and make sure that she had her cell phone. Some drivers wouldn't. Some drivers are assholes and would probably just act like they didn't hear the phone ringing or be, you know, just people can be assholes. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's ridiculous. So it made me feel good to be able to do that. But how that related to the next story is I had passed a pet food store and not one of the big name like Petco type Petco pet stores. It was an independent pet store. And I thought, well, cashmere needs some cat treats. I have, you know, I have the time. I can take two seconds. I'm right here. Opportunity costs zero. 
and went inside to see if I could find some pet treats for him. Now, he, of course, eats a grain-free diet, so they have to be grain-free. We we have allowed him to have a little bit of a cheat by having, like, whatever the um, ones we were buying him, but we have since switched to, if it's not all-natural, grain-free, like, what he's supposed to be eating, it's, it's a hard pass. We're not doing it. So long story short, I pick up some grain-free treats that are chicken-flavored because he likes chicken, and... Phoenix reads all labels, doesn't matter if it's for the kitty cat or for the humans, because he's like a human. Yep, guess what I found in the cat treats, y'all? Blew my mind. Maple syrup in a frickin' cat treat that is supposed to be all natural. What? It's unbelievable. I I could not... I could not believe it. I was just like, what the fuck, actually? And I was on the phone... With phone boy at the time. So it, it was amusing because in real time, he's getting like, what the fuck do we need maple syrup and cat treats for? And he was like, what? I'm like, yeah, these grain free treats that I found says in the ingredients that it's got maple syrup. I'm like, why the fuck are my feeding a cat? Of ma-? No, hard pass. I put him back. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't even consume that. Why the hell am I going to feed it to my cat? None of this is good. You ain't kidding. Yeah. None of this is good. And I'll tell you what else isn't good. Yeah, trusting a fart. Yeah, exactly. So, um, um, so I had um, woken I had woken up around five a.m. this morning um, to uh, to realize that I had uh, I had I'd done a little bit more than fart, I guess. And so, yes. Uh, the, so I'm I'm having to go to the bathroom and and, and yes, and, and you know immediately have to try and clear uh, clear things away and come back and realize that uh, yeah, I got the bed. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not changing the sheets at five in the morning uh, while while somebody else is sleeping. So yeah, we had to kind of I tried to clean it up as best i could the sheets are in the wash but uh, uh i hear i hear him because of course that's not something that's going to happen quietly when when you shart and it wakes you up you're not being quiet at all okay and so i'm not cognitive of the fact he just shart okay no i figured he had to go to the bathroom real bad hey i've had it happen you know 3 a.m 4 a.m 5 a.m man something punches your bladder sh- gotta go now or God forbid, ladies, gentlemen, if you've ever had the pee dream where you dream that you got to pee so bad, so you're trying to find a toilet and you find a toilet and you sit down and you start to go and you realize, oh my fucking God, I'm really going and I'm dead asleep. Yeah, anyway. So I hear him say, well, I cleaned it up as best as I could. I'll just put a towel over it. Okay, fine. I understand that theory. This morning after I wake up and we're becoming more awake and alive and such, I remember this occurrence and I'm like, let me look under this towel. Dear Christ, y'all. Oh my fucking God. I'm like, get up now. These sheets are fixing to come off this fucking bed. We're washing them now. I'm like, I know you did your best to clean that up, but holy actual fuck on steroids. That's a huge goddamn spot. Yes. Um, yes, it was, it was, I, I was, I was a little impressed by it, but again, what, what are you going to do at, five, at something in the morning? Yes. And that was, uh, now, I, I, now of course the question raised, Fazilla just fucking did it. Yeah. Thank you, mama. She said, I thought only hype will shit the, <laughs> the bed. bed yeah. Hell yeah. For the win, mama. For the, 
That was beautiful. That was, he, we actually tagged that ourselves. He said, I guess I really did shit the bed on that one. I, I was dying laughing. Yeah. I'm like, the jokes write themselves. This is this is absolutely, yes. you know. So, yeah, see, Brooklyn, honey, I'm sorry, but this is not a joke. This actually happened. This is our real life. Cannot make this up. Yeah. Never trust a fart, yeah. I assure you. Even if yeah. you're asleep, something in your brain needs to go, don't do it. Don't do it. Your your brain decided I'm opening the asshole. Yeah, apparently, but yeah, it's fuck. If I had thought about it, yeah. I should have pulled the Robin Williams clip for that, yeah. where he talks about drinking. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no! It, it's about uh, Viagra. Yeah. Well, it was something like that, but no. They, they, but but seriously, I can tell you why it happened, and I because uh, this is this is because of course my immediate reaction is when that happens, it usually means I ate something I shouldn't have eaten, and I was thinking about okay, what did I eat in the last you know twenty four hours or so? Well, okay, I had a we had I had my favorite breakfast cereal, steak and eggs. Okay, that that nothing happens when I have that, but what however, I d- what wasn't accounted for yeah what wasn't accounted for was the fact that i that i actually ate um you know probably let's see um i don't know however however many pumpkin seeds fit in this thing how about how i assure you that was a two person portion of pumpkin seeds that i put in that bowl expecting that i was going to be joining you to share the bowl between us while we did the show prep during rideshare radio and i got um inevitably stuck doing something else that was necessary and I, in the chat i had asked you you know are you good do you need me to come up yeah. not thinking about the fact you're just gonna sit there and mindlessly eat those fucking pumpkin seeds yeah well the, well the, okay well the, the pumpkin yes yeah, so and the pumpkin seeds uh, have a have a uh, a significant uh, a quantity of magnesium now now magnesium is not a bad thing assuming you don't have too much of it if you eat too have too much of it well well, probably. Well, much like what happened to me today, that's you know that, that's something that uh, happens, and so I'm guessing that um, over the over the past uh, at, over the the previous period, I had uh, yeah, I'd cons- I, had, I had eaten a little bit too much magnesium, and lo and behold, what you end up with is um, you know yeah, what you end up with is this apocalypse. So um, yeah, so you know that's what I should have played is the what I was. Uh, let's see if I let's see if I let's see if I can actually uh, see if I can actually find the clip because uh, there is a there is a clip I wanted to let's see if I can actually find. You it. should have planned better for this. I didn't I I, I didn't realize I was going to have to play this. This is this is I this is this. Is is one of those things you just kind of go, oh well, th- I but the electric fence. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Now, okay. So now I guess we get to go to voicemails, and we we only have one voicemail right now. But you I can do love going to the voicemails, and this caller calls every single week. Thank you for your courage, because we know who it is. We know him. We love him. We need to make him a knight so we can call him Sir Christopher Battles. Morning, folks. Happy National Chocolate Day. Get your chocolate on. Got some random stuff that I found in the in the cupboard that might have bloomed already. It's been here so long, but got some sriracha chocolate that I haven't had yet, and some some buzz beans from Trader Joe's and some rose something or other and what is this wild huckleberry hmm interesting anywho well yeah uh kink well it's a little spicy maybe go with hot sauce though hot sauce makes all food kinky right although remember to wash your hands because when the spouse asks you did you have a hot sauce and you're like uh oh yeah. Uh, burns, burns, burns. Anyway, all right. Well, guys, 
I'm going to go make breakfast. It's like late, but we slept in. So, anyway. And, uh, you know, stay dangerous. Stay kinky, but stay dangerous. And, uh, you know what to do. Whether it's before or if it's after. Give a hearty. Kaka! Kaka! Well, here we go. Here we go. Hey, Weirdo, you're live. And we're doing voicemails. Well, how Tell about that? What Two weeks in a row, I get through live. Yeah, and it's funny because while while Sir Christopher Battles there was telling us uh, to stay dangerous and giving us a hearty caca, I had said, hey, phone boy, open up the phone line. Since we only got one voicemail, I figured this would be a perfect opportunity to give the pedal heads a chance to call 253-237-3321 and tell us what their kink is. So we're going to put you on the hot seat there, weirdo. What's your kink, brother? Oh, shit. I really wasn't prepared for all of this. Um, I hadn't actually decided what I was going to say when I called. I was just going to fucking wing it. So, like, thanks for this. That is um, different. How is that different from any other time, my friend? Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, though. Um, so, uh, fuck, I don't know. How do I... How do I not be the crudest person in the world right now? Um, Feel free to be crude because, I mean, when when you're talking about this particular topic, we knew it was going to be really interesting to see what you pedal heads came up with because we're, we're digging deep into your personal, like, what gets you there? What's your kink? Do you like big women? Do you like uh, big black dicks? Like, where you at? Well, uh, I'm going to have to ixnay on the big black coxnays. Um yeah, I, I know you see. have the kiddos. Well, I, I per, personally, I love going down on a woman. Um, that is one of my favorite things. I can do it till my jaw locks. You know, it's just that's what fucking really satisfies me more than she said. Just nut and going home or whatever, you know. So, um, yeah, that's. I I would have to say that's first and foremost my favorite thing as far as like providing service to another. Um, so, yeah, yeah. How am I blushing? There's nobody even here. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that you know the whole stream, whoever's listening, just heard you admit to the fact that oh, you yeah, like the, the whole world just heard that. So that's cool. Um, so at least they know I'm not a total douchebag. Um, you know what? We don't kink shame around here. Like, absolutely no issue with that whatsoever. No. Um, you shouldn't, because everybody's got what they like, and as long as it's between two consenting adults, nobody's got anything to say about it. So That's yeah, what exactly. the fuck uh, I'm talking about. As long as you ain't hitting, you ain't hurting uh, kids, animals, or old people, and, like, sorry, but old people porn should not I mean, be a thing. Old people be getting it in, though, bro. Like, you know, the largest yeah. demographic and consumers for uh, uh, STD medications is over 65. So You know, I did not uh, know that. Holy shit. I, I heard that somewhere. I read that somewhere. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. You can probably look it up. But I do know um, my mom's been a nurse since I was four, and she's worked mostly in nursing homes, and they, they, do, they do dispense a lot of drugs for STDs. <laughs> wow. Kinda, that, um, that, that's just yeah, that's disturbing. Uh, now, other than that, you know, everybody, there's there's some people that, that don't like certain things, but um, I do like to be, uh, you know, offered those fallacious services myself. You know, I enjoy that. Um, 
I, I, I have no problem bringing in toys. You know, I'm secure enough with myself. It's not going to um, bother me if, if, you know, like some guys, oh, she can't have a dildo because it emasculates me. And I'm like, bro, you don't even know. You know, uh, let's just fuck it. You better suck down on that clit and shove that dildo as deep as you can. Get her there, goddammit. Like, That's it. Don't be selfish. I don't understand why people will act so timid about sex it's part of everybody's life or at least it should be well, you know the lucky ones i guess yeah that's one of the reasons why when uh when phone boy was we were laughing about uh the the little oopsie <clears throat> at like 5 a.m i'm like dude we're totally putting that in the script because everybody poops and much like you said everybody has sex or at least you know if if you're able to if you have a partner who wants to get down with that you know yeah everybody's doing it in some way, shape, or form, and we're not kink-shaming around here. You like eating puss? Then fucking chow down. Yes, there's no better conditioner for my beard. See, it's funny that you said that, because C. Brooklyn in the chat had asked if you have a beard, and I had said that you had some facial hair, and so there you have it, yeah. C. Brooklyn. You have officially live so, on so, the air been answered. Uh, he has to be 100% honest, oh, sorry, what? I cut somebody off? No, no. Okay. Um, I uh, never actually started growing a nice thick beard till um, after I started uh, or, you know, after I started uh, going down and, and, you know, realizing that I enjoyed that the way I do and doing it as often as I can. Um, and then you get that good moisturizer in there. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's better than anything store-bought. Can't argue with natural. that. It's all natural, too. All natural. So, um, well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I got through two weeks in a row like that. Dude, uh, it's, it's I, the universe. And I apologize to Mr. Christopher Battles. I didn't get off his, the end of his voicemail there if I did. Um I was trying to time it to where I could get in and you guys would not have a large delay and, you know, in between his and mine. So, um, but, uh, I guess I will let, uh, let you guys get back to it. Um, it's kind of cold out here, so I don't get good reception inside the house. Um, so, uh, yeah, all that fun stuff. Now the whole world knows about what I like. So let's get the whole world to tell us what they like, right? That's right. Equal opportunity blush around here. Yes, yes. And and you didn't cut well, uh, Christopher Battle's voicemail off. You actually came in right at the perfect time. He had just finished his voicemail, and we were giving him his uh, his obligatory caca when you called in. So you timed it absolutely perfectly. Couldn't have done it better. Uh, absolutely, like. Perfect. Yeah, seriously, I couldn't. I I couldn't have scripted it that that well. So, because I'm because yeah, right right about the time you called, I was also talking. like I was I was actually talking. changing the stuff so it would uh, so that you could actually take calls because I get the best saying, hey, how about you open the phone lines? I said, okay, I'll open the phone lines, and so I'm so I'm sitting here with the computer doing it, and sure enough, the phone rings, you know, like you know a few seconds right after I did it too. So literally, talk- like right as soon as you hit the thing to turn, do not disturb off your number. <laughs> Came up and it was ringing. I mean, oh, and we have another call. So, uh, weirdo, yeah. have a good night. Appreciate you. Thank you for your courage. 
Bye. Everybody tune in to Studio 33 tonight. Bye. Bye. Hello, hey, Color. Hey, Color, you're on the air. Tell us, what do you like? What's hey. your kink? Uh, well, it's not anything all that uh, erotic or even that kinky, but I noticed it when I first got with the now ex. There's one certain spot on my forehead that if a guy kisses me there, it just sends shivers all down through me. And it's even better if the guy has a mustache. Well, so, 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 okay, I'm going to add. he has a thing for mustaches. Well, I mean, and Dad, I know Dad had a mustache, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure yeah, that encouraged him to keep it. Uh, I first noticed it, though, with the ex-husband. So, uh-huh. yeah, I got, I got some of that other action, too. Yeah. But that was mine. Like I, I said, it. it wasn't anything all that dirty or anything like that. But that's just my little thing. I love I love you, Mama T. You're like, yeah, I got some of that action too. So in other words, Mama T is a mustache rider. Congratulations being in the club, girl. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going back to the football. Now that I've embarrassed Mama T, thank you so much, Mama. If, if y'all want to get in on this embarrassment and this great fun, tell the world what gets you there. Phone Boy and I are going to share our secrets, but you can call 253-237-3321 and sound off on this topic. Don't be shy, y'all. Everybody has sex, even if it's with yourself. If you've got something that gets you there that's just you, you know, get, give it hell, y'all. Yeah. So, Phone Boy, I'm going to put you on the spot, man. What's your kink, bro? Um, I, I like getting a little rough. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I, well, I think you, yeah. Well, and I think you like it when I get rough too. Um, Not going to deny I like having my hair pulled, occasionally being spanked. Don't judge a bitch. Yeah. Well, it, it's really funny because, like, it, this, okay, so, you know, having been with uh, somebody who uh, was with somebody who I was not sexually active with for a good, good chunk of the time. And, and, and so, you know, and, and honestly, when we did have sex, it was not that great. And it was, uh, you know, there, it was um, yeah, pretty vanilla as far as that stuff goes. I never got to, uh, I never really got to explore anything. And so this is, this is the most sexually active I've been. And so, you know, I almost, so I'm still kind of in that exploration phase of what, you know, what do I like? What do I don't like? And, and, you know, I know, I know there's some pretty clear boundaries about things I don't like, but, um, but, you know, as far as, you know, what I really, what I really like, I'm not sure yet. This is, I'm still trying to figure all that out. I, I can agree with that. And actually for something that Mama T had said kind of resonated with me because there is, I, I have a real weak spot and and I never thought about the whole mustache thing, but yeah, it does kind of make it better. Like when, because you have a mustache and like the little goat soul patch connection, like it's it's pretty, it's really good looking on him. But there's definitely something when you kiss my neck and nuzzle me with that face hair that yeah, it's a different, um, you know, a different feeling than a freshly shaved. Don't you dare, phone boy, damn it. You're such an asshole. We are live. Will you stop misbehaving? Oh, my God. Pedalheads, he's horrible. But anyways, I have to give Mama T credit for the fact. Yeah, I, I get that. Because, like, behind my knee or on my ankle are non-no-no spots 
that really just they they make you have that reaction. So I completely get the whole forehead thing. I don't think it's weird at all, you know. I and if I mean there everybody gets there somehow. You know what I'm saying? And there there is no shame in whether it's on your own or with a partner. Just enjoy it. You know, don't be ashamed if you like your hair pulled, if you like to be bitten. You know, whatever you're into, as long as you're not hurting kids, animals, or the elderly. And I can assure you, I cringe when I think about geriatric porn. This should not exist, okay? I can even deal with feet. Old people don't need to put that on film, y'all. It's just Phoenix's personal opinion. All right. Well, all right. I think we're going to we're going to leave the we're going to leave the phone lines open here. Um, if you guys if you guys want to call in to 253-237-3321 and tell us what your kink is, we, we, we'll, we'll talk about it with you. We absolutely want to know and we will not shame. I trust me. I've probably seen, if not heard, just about everything there is out there. So we can play the can you shock Phoenix and phone boy with your kink? But uh, it's going to be a hard, uh, you know, hard thing to do. So I think it's time. Uh, have, have, have you sounded off on what your kink is? Oh, damn. I thought I was going to get away. So, all right. God, I don't believe we're having this conversation. I'm the one who came up with the refire topic, sadly. So I should be not surprised we're having this conversation. Actually, actually well, and I thought I did because I was because I'm the one who because I we were talking because I, I made the BBW or BBC comment. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, so, then, I, so I actually so I'm actually that's the one right. Who, it was you. We we can we can quote unquote blame you for this shit show. That's right. <laughs> so all right, I I will be honest with the fact that I have such a long list of shit that is a turn on for me. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give a full uh, list, but some of some of the bolder things could be knife play, rope play. Breath play. They are interests to me. I enjoy dominating. I love my floggers and whips and canes a lot. Not as big into paddles, never have been. But my custom pieces that I have made by a friend of mine. Yeah, they're they're pretty. And they all they all bite in a different way. And even my kids actually like the um, like my floggers from an early age. You know, I, I taught them how to use them. And see, when when people think about floggers, they immediately think like the, you know, the drawing blood and, and striping your back type shit. And that's not, I mean, can you do that? Absolutely. But you don't need a, a flogger to mark someone. I actually saw this little girl who probably weighed all of about a hundred pounds soaking wet and stood about as tall as she was wide. She might've been five foot at best, tiny little hands. And there was this smart ass dude at a party we were at who wanted her to spank him. I'm going to tell y'all 
she rapid succession whacked this some bitch across his ass with her bare hands maybe six to eight times his entire ass was covered in one big fucking bruise that is how much power she had because he was convinced she was not going to make him say uncle oh i guarantee he was yelping and saying uncle very quickly so but yeah that's that's my thing i I like being spanked. I like giving spankings. I like flogging, receiving floggings. I mean, I'm not going to go into my deep, dark sexual shit, but some of the outer fringes. Yeah, I I like playing with my whip. I like popping it, um, you know, when when he when we have a house and I can have a St. Andrew's cross in the basement, then, you know, maybe maybe phone boy will get to find out what the flogging is like and he can report back on what he thinks of it. But yeah, that's that's all I'll list right now for my kink. Okay. Well, there you go. Yes. So we're gonna we're, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a great goddamn time. It's a, we really are. Yes. So, but meanwhile, I think we're gonna we're gonna I so said we're gonna leave the phone lines open, and I think we've uh, and I think now uh, we can go on to the next uh, segment here. Yeah, I'm sure we can. I'll take a drink, and I my name's Smoke Little Reef. You know, I I like to smoke. Reefer, you know, it relaxes me and everything. A couple of doobies, you know, just to get you through the day and everything. But I do not free base cocaine. Yeah. That's right. And this next story is, is definitely... It's a step in the right direction after all. Now, um, Georgia is going to be the first state to let pharmacies actually sell low-dose can- cannabis. Now, it'll make Georgia the first U.S. state where, pharma- where, where a pharmacy can sell medical cannabis, according to CNN. Now, by year's end, patients who meet a very narrow criteria for medical cannabis use under Georgia's law will be able to buy low-dose THC products at their local pharmacy. Now, they said that... Yeah, well, it, what. It, what that won't mean is joints being sold at pharmacies, said Gary Long, CEO of the medical cannabis pr- uh, production company Bot- Botanical Services, one of the two licensed distributors in Georgia, according to CNN. Now, what it will mean is that pharmacies around the state that want to sell products with a THC content of 5% or less, uh, it's, a little, it's a little bit better than 0.3% or whatever it is. Uh, Fuck yeah, it is. Yeah. Can file an application with the Georgia Board of Pharmacy. Pro- uh, products may, may include oils, tinctures, topicals, capsules, and lozenges. Now, Georgia's medical marijuana law is still more restrictive than most states and and, and Tennessee's is even worse apparently Um, oh Christ yes yeah. Uh, among those restrictions are that doctors can only prescribe the drug for people with 16 particular diseases, including some stages of cancer, PTSD, and Alzheimer's. Okay, well, yeah, like you say, it's a step in the right direction, but, uh, you know, just uh, just make the shit legal and let's be done with it. Uh, you know, meanwhile, uh, we can we can go to, uh, we can uh, head off to Denver. <laughs> Now Denver, who's uh, who, I believe, um, who I believe has had a legal marijuana, um, t- well, and for a long time, anyway. hell a long time, and I can tell you, uh, Colorado chronic is on fucking. Yes, yes, it is. So Denver has achieved a new marijuana milestone with adult use in medical cannabis tax revenue now exceeding 500 million since 2010. City data released on Monday shows. Now, as Colorado touts the the fact that adult use retailers have now sold more than 15 billion dollars in marijuana products products since legalization, the state's largest city has released a report that shows how those purchases locally have translated into hundreds of millions in tax dollars to support public programs and services. You know, they they figured it out a while ago. You know. 
since 2010, four years before adult use uh, shops opened in Colorado, Denver has yielded $501,838,144 in cannabis tax revenue, including money generated from the medical marijuana sales, the city is reporting. Now, it's crossed the half-billion-dollar threshold in August, the latest month for which revenue data is available. Now, the tax dollars come from a variety of sources, including the retail and medical cannabis sales tax, retail special tax, affordable housing tax, state shareback, and marijuana business licensing fees. Sounds like a fucking bonanza. Yeah, really? Yeah. So far this year alone, Denver has taken in about $33 million in cannabis tax revenue. Yeah. But yet Tennessee can't fucking... uh, You know what? I actually want to print this article out and send it to Governor Lee and be like, H. Barky, you realize you're missing out on a fucking gold mine here because you goddamn antiquated beliefs. Why don't you come... Come closer, a little closer. Come into this fucking century, Gov. You're missing out. All because marijuana's a gateway drug. It leads to other drugs and crime and... Do you fucking realize you got fucking doctors out there prescribing fentanyl? You got shit like meth. That's a fucking epidemic here in the state. But your biggest concern is whether men who like to dress up in women's clothing and read books to little kids. Oh, we can't have that. No, absolutely. That's that's the biggest problem we got here. It ain't the goddamn fentanyl. It ain't the methamphetamine. And it ain't the fact your pussy ass won't legalize fucking weed. I don't know. It's men dressing up in women's, women's clothing and reading to little kids. You're a fucking idiot. Thank you. This has been a service provided by Phoenix. I approve this message. Oh, there you go. Well, meanwhile, uh, I wouldn't want to have been on this flight. So on Sunday evening, a nightmare scenario unfolded whereby an off-duty pilot seated in the jump seat of a Horizon Air Embraer E-175, which is a, so it's a little regional jet. I've, I've, I've taken many flights on those things. Um, so they attempted to shut the, the, the plane's engines off. Now, he ended up having to be removed from the cockpit and the flight had to divert. Now, fortunately, no one was injured, but this incident has understandably rattled a lot of people and it could have ended very differently. Now, the Department of Justice has brought criminal charges against the pilot and we now have statements of the pilots who are flying the plane, the flight attendants, and the off-duty pilot it appears that psychedelics played a role in this unfortunate situation um so 44 year old uh, david uh, joseph david emerson of pleasant hill california has been charged relating to what happened on this horizon air flight um emerson is an alaska airlines uh, boeing 737 captain and previously worked at virgin america and horizon air he was in the jump seat uh, on this flight as he was trying to hitch a ride but the cabin was full so we'll cut to the chase here apparently emerson had grown depressed in recent months and took psychedelics a couple days before the flight he claimed he hadn't slept in a couple days and felt like he was losing his mind. Now, Emerson, Emerson admitted to the police this was his first time taking mushrooms. Bullshit! 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 I'm calling absolute epic <clears throat> bullshit. Mushrooms don't stay in your fucking system that long. No, absolutely not. Now, the not sleeping part? Yeah. I'll buy the not sleeping part as why you fucking had a psychotic break. Unless you're, look, mushrooms, okay, you'd have to eat a fuck ton of mushrooms, and Weirdo can probably attest to this, okay? You gotta take a shit ton of mushrooms to fucking have it last more than 18 hours, unless you're continuously dosing. 
So the bullshit that, oh, he took him a couple days before the flight. Yeah, they were already out of his system, folks. Unless he had re-upped the dose, they were already out of his system. It was the fact that he wasn't sleeping that fucked this shit all up, not the mushrooms. Shame on this story. Yeah, meanwhile, shame on this next story. Okay, well, yeah, I guess I, get, I, guess I should have given you a little bit more time. <laughs> I yeah. swear to God, that's the that's twice that you've f- almost fucked me up on a clipboard. You do realize that I have a color coded clipboard here. Yes. Well, uh, meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, Seattle, I can assure you, is fucked up. So is Portland. Uh, they, now they're they're uh, they're finally they finally realizing that maybe letting people uh, do drugs in the city um, and, and not arresting them is kind of a problem. Um, yeah. So um, they kick off an anti-drug push with dozens of arrests as Portland business owners uh, beg for help. Now, each elected or elected officials in Portland and Seattle are beginning to regret turning their crimes or uh, turning their crimes into cities or something yeah well they they, they did do that but their cities funny. cities into crime-ridden hellholes after the response to trumpism and the blm rights in the wake of george of the george floyd george george i can't even talk george floyd death was to defund or otherwise hinder police elected da's who refused to prosecute a variety of crime and promote rampant drug use and now of course they're dealing with the uh, predictable hangover of that now I, yeah i watched all of this shit go on during during uh you know during 2020 and stuff and and, and you know watching far from seattle going you know i'm glad i live as far away from that as i do and now i'm really glad i live far away from that shit um in portland 25 businesses have banded together for a strongly worded letter you know and because because that causes strongly worded yes yeah, strongly worded yes um who uh, demanded a, uh, d- who they've demanded address their concerns over the city's crime wave that has de- decimated foot traffic to businesses such as Ace Hotel, Central Office, Crafty Wonderland, Courier Coffee, uh, Mimi's Fresh Teas, and, and Multnomah Whiskey Library, according to KGWA. Now, the, the situation in Portland is so bad that residents have been told not to call the police unless their lives are actually at risk thanks to the city's overwhelmed 911 system. Yeah, there you go. Well, gee, what the fuck did you expect? You literally made everything legal in Oregon and said, fuck it, do it all. Have a fucking good time. Now you're feeling the backlash. Congratulations. Yes, I, you know you fucked up. Yeah. In May, Portland officials figured out that defunding the police was just pure idiocy and attempted to reverse course after cutting the, the police department budget by 15 million like idiots. Right Now, Portland has also experienced a spate of major stores leaving the region, including REI, Walmart, and Cracker Barrel. Well, that's what happens when you, when you, ha- when you don't have business-friendly uh, policies, right? Yeah, and those are big money makers, I assure you. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, trying to reverse that after they cut 15 million out of the budget is like trying to stuff the shit back in the horse. Yeah, exactly. Now, now, hours after the city's new law against public drug use and possession took effect Friday, cops made around two dozen arrests, according to the Seattle Times. Now, the police handed out flyers Friday morning in an effort to educate people about the controversial new law, then returned Friday afternoon in order to... Uh, um, um, you know, to enforce the gross misdemeanor offenses, Diaz said in a news conference at the Seattle Police Department headquarters. Now, the operations targeted the vicinity of 12th Avenue South and South Jackson Street in the in the Chinatown International District's Little Saigon neighborhood and 3rd Avenue and Pine Street in downtown. Both areas have seen uh, prominent drug use for years. Yeah, they, definitely those are not places in Seattle you want to be. 
Okay, so in other words, instead of just doing it on the fucking street, they're going to be in the abandoned buildings. Phenomenal. Yeah. We're going to be compassionate in our approach to getting people connected with services while still make sure our city streets are safe, said Police Chief Adrian Diaz. Now, the the enforcement <clears throat> action... Bullshit. Yeah. Now, the enforcement action stems from Seattle's adoption last month of a law which allows the city attorney's office to prosecute individuals who knowingly possess illicit drugs such as fentanyl and for using them in public. Now, Seattle Mayor Bruce Harnell championed the new law, which passed by a narrow six to three vote. Now, how, OK, so a five to four vote might be a little more narrow than a six to three vote. I don't it doesn't seem that narrow to me. Not really. Yeah. Uh, supporters say it will improve public safety and help addicts find treatment, while opponents say the law will punish people for said addictions, calling it a new version of the failed war on drugs which is why i guess why we played that clip actually i hadn't even read that it just seemed really fitting at the time that i chose it yeah well i think i think i know this uh, this clip uh, that, you, that for the next story is very fitting smoke weed every day now we're talking about swiss dank accounts i like i, I thought the, i love that i thought the title of this so switzerland will allow europe's first non-medical cannabis dispensaries to open and operate as part of a study to examine how controlled access to legal cannabis may affect health and consumption patterns of regular cannabis users um, um an announcement was made friday about uh, grasshouse projects by german cbd and cannabinoid research company sanity group which said in tandem with the swiss institute for addiction and health research their initiative to to dispense legal cannabis to a small area in Switzerland called uh, Basel Landschaft has, has been approved by the Swiss government. Basel Landschaft is home to just under 4,000 Swiss citizens who are eligible to serve as participants in the study. That's a study I want to be in. I'm just saying you, you need uh, you need participants like pick me, pick me. I'll, I'll definitely be in a cannabis study. Yes. The study will be led by Professor Dr. Michael Schaub, scientific director of the Swiss Institute for Addiction and Health Research. Now, the cannabis for the study will be provided by a Swiss cultivation company called Swiss Extract and will include a variety of different cannabis mechanisms like flour, hash extracts, and so on. An initial store opening is planned for the fourth quarter of 2023 in Oshwil, with a subsequent store opening planned a few months later in Leistel. Now, the, the study is stated to last about five years. Now, Professor Dr. Schaub... Uh, explained in a written statement that the study will begin by determining the health and eligibility of their chosen participants and then continue with regular medical checks and mental health checks as the study progresses. Now, the results of this study will be used to determine what, if any, public health implications adult use cannabis availability might inflict on Switzerland as well as the rest of Europe, the majority of which is bound by the laws of the European Union, which Switzerland is not part of. The EU has thus far maintained a stringent stance against the legalization of adult use cannabis. Now, certain other countries like Germany and Spain have begun implementing implementing the loose framework to begin transitioning out of the prohibition era policies against cannabis, but, but progress has uh, been limited. Now, uh, Germany, for instance, allows for cultivation, possession, and cannabis social clubs, but not for legal sales. L uh, leadership of the Grasshouse Projects have expressed hope that this step toward legal cannabis sales in Europe will provide much-needed data that other countries can use to determine how they can best regulate cannabis sales, as well as to help provide patients uh, resources for mental health or addiction problems, should any arise as a result of adult use cannabis sales. Now, um, now, Switzerland has actually granted several Swiss cities individual approval to start their own pilot cannabis programs. Uh, Zurich, Basel, uh, BLBN, uh, Lucerne, uh, Geneva, and Bern. Actually, actually, um, actually I've been to Lucerne. Um, oh, wow. Yes, uh, been to Geneva too. Yeah, the, 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 oh, the one time I went to Switzerland. Yeah, um, according to a Forbes article, Zurich is actually still seeking 400 people to participate in its cannabis program because the area generally lacks cannabis uh, consumers. Okay, so uh, pencil in a vacation to Zurich, uh, return trip uh, undetermined. 
Exactly. Well, um, but but I guess um, but I guess we can move on to the next segment of our uh, of our show here. iPhone, my phone. The way I see it, the only good phone's a landline, and the phone should be made out of Bakelite. Yeah, um, but first uh, we have to ask uh, what's. It looks like it's alive. And living in the fridge. Well, this will definitely not be living in the fridge. It will be living in our tummies until it comes to the sewer system. Get in my belly. That's right. I am making a cauliflower almond crust pizza with meatball, pepperoni, mushroom, and onion. And since the meatballs are made from ground beef and Italian sausage, that's right. It's a meat pie, y'all. Yeah, we're, we're going to. Uh, um, yeah, the last. Uh, the only. Yeah, the only issue with the last pizza that we did was, yeah, the, I think because, because you made a, made a mistake in the crust, it was a little bit. Uh, um, it, it, it wasn't quite as firm, but it still was yeah, good, though. That was because Stone Phoenix, instead of putting cream of tartar in the egg whites, put fucking. Um, xanthan gum. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oops. All right. Well. All right. Well, we'll we'll report on that. Of course, we'll have a picture in the show notes and all of that stuff. Uh, when yeah, we I will take pictures while I'm making it because I was gonna make and bake the crust before I started the show, and time got away from me because we had a lot of stuff that was going on. Yes. So it will be a full cook from crust to completion. And pictures along the way. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Yeah, we, and we still have one more show to do, too. Uh, so after this. Uh, so, but That's could, right. Okay, but uh, can we move on to the next story? Uh, of yeah, course. Of course. Can we forget about the hack and suffer just last week? Now, the, uh, the U.S. Capitol's election agency says a ransomware crew might have stolen its entire voter roll, which includes the personal information of all registered voters in the District of Columbia. Now, I qu- of course, my immediate thought was, well, how many of those are actual people and not, uh, you know, dead Democrats? You know, Truth. Yeah, exactly. But uh, um, so, the, so the D.C. Board of Elections first became aware of the intrusion on October 5th uh, when a criminal gang called Ransom VC claimed to have broken into a server belonging to DataNet Systems, the agency's website hosting provider, and accessed 600,000 items of voter U.S. voter data, including D.C. voter records. Why is this stuff even fucking accessible? Anyway, um, that's a whole other d- discussion. Um, now, according to DCBOE, none of its own internal databases or servers were accessed, but important information was on DataNet servers. Now, in a Friday update uh, posted on its website, the voting agency said the break-in now looks worse than it originally thought. Now, during a daily check-in call with DataNet systems, DCBOE learned that 15 days after the initial attack that the compromised server did contain a copy of DCBOE's voter roll. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. DataNet Systems confirmed that bad actors may have had access to the full voter roll, now, which includes personal identifiable information, PII, including partial social security numbers, driver's license numbers, dates of birth, and contact information such as phone numbers and email addresses. Yes, uh, it's said that the service provider couldn't definitively say if or when the incident occurred or how many, if any, voter records were accessed. The, ele- the elections agency says it will now con- contact all registered voters, and it has also hired Mandiant to assist with the incident response. <sighs> yeah, it's another reason not to vote, I guess. Yes, I, you know you fucked up. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, I guess yeah, we gotta we gotta. I guess we're gonna go on to the next story here. I got mail! Yay! 
Yeah. So I, I always so you know in in the in the in the fuck the FCC department. Uh, so the the Federal Communications Commission's attempts to stop robocalls have failed to make a big dent in the problem, according to testimony in a Senate subcommittee hearing today. Well, given the number of robocalls I get on a on a daily weekly basis, I'd say yeah, they're they're not doing a very good job. So the FCC has been trying to address the problems, but to date, the methods have not succeeded in achieving a meaningful reduction in these unwanted and illegal calls. Now, either the FCC does not have sufficient legal tools to stop these unwanted and illegal acts, or it has not yet determined how to deploy the tools effectively, said Margo Freeman Saunders, a, a senior counsel for the uh, National uh, Consumer Law Center. Now, the hearing on robocalls was held by the Commerce Committee's uh, Subcommittee on Communications, Media, and Broadband. Senator Ben Ray Lujan, a uh, Democrat from New Mexico, the subcommittee chair, said the FCC's enforcement is ineffective and that Congress should give the agency more power. It's all they fucking want is more power. Of course. Yeah. He mentioned the long-standing problem that the FCC is unable to collect on most of the robocall fines that it, it issues. Now, Saunders told senators that robocall numbers remain high, despite dozens of new regulations and rulings issued by the FCC to deploy uh, stir, shake, and caller ID authentication technology um, and implement other uh, congressional mandates. And despite the enforcement actions it has brought against VoIP providers and illegal callers, well... You know, it's like, of course they want more power. I mean, but they, but this is, you know, the, the, the entire phone system was never designed for security in mind. So, you know, the fact that they're trying to deal with this problem and, of, you know, where the things are sourced from and that kind of thing, and, they're, you know, not, and there's all this, uh, you know, centrifuge and stuff doesn't surprise me in the least. And, you know, of course, the FCC wanting more power. Yeah, well, you know, we, 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 the last thing you want to do is give any government more power, I guess. That's true, and that's why... We have no issue saying fuck the FCC because they can't touch us. Okay. And uh, we've got, a, and now we get one more. Now, with the Israel-Hamas war in its second week, cybersecurity experts are seeing an increase in the number of hacker groups that are entering the fray to, to seeking to sow chaos online. Now, the damage so far has been limited, and, and, and anti-Israel groups now appear to be targeting the military and government after an initial focus on softer marks such as media websites, which were hit with distributed denial-of-service attacks that sought to flood them with traffic and force them offline, according to a major cybersecurity firm in Tel Aviv. Now, in the last few days, we've seen an 18% increase uh, on targets in, in targets in Israel compared to the first few days of the war, a spokesperson from the cybersecurity firm said, adding that between 40 and 50 groups have claimed around 400 attacks against Israeli targets. Now, attempts to uh, ag attempts against the government and military are up by more than 50% compared to before the Hamas attacks, he says. Now, most of the cyber attacks, which can be anything from phishing to ransomware and DDoS attempts, had little it had little impact, according to the spokesperson, but um, but he warns that more sophisticated attempts could be on the horizon as state-backed groups join the fight. Now, we see more significant attack groups, Iranian and others, more involved in threats, and I assume also active attacks against Israeli targets, which are so far unsuccessful, the spokesperson says. Now, Iran, which has uh, slammed Israel for civilian deaths in Gaza, is an avowed enemy of Israel and backs Hamas. Now, um, Israel has, uh, has some other, the most uh, robust cyber defenses globally, in part because it's mandatory military services spawned a generation of, of cybersecurity experts from elite divisions such as uh, Unit 8200 and, uh, um, you know, and so on. And I've heard you talk about Unit 8200 due to the fact you work for an Israeli company. Yeah. So, so yes, I mean, there, so some of the smartest uh, cybersecurity people come from Israel. They, I'm sure, I, I can assure you they are on top of it. Uh, Truth. And, uh, yeah, so I don't think, uh, so, yeah, this is, it's no surprise that the war is uh, both kinetic and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and in cyberspace. But, uh, um, but And I hate the fact that a lot of college campuses are touting the anti-Israel bullshit and supporting 
supporting the Hamas bullshit. It makes me sick. And by the way, while we're at it, fuck Harvard. I saw a post made by an NA producer about that bullshit of solidarity vigil, and it made me want to fucking puke. Yeah. Well, again, I understand it's not the Palestinian people. Okay, they're as innocent as the Israeli people in this whole conflict situation. The Hamas is a fucking terrorist organization. It is not representational of the regular inhabitants of that country. I just think it's fucking disgusting that the colleges are taking such an obvious, inappropriate stand. I really think that the colleges should have kind of a, a Switzerland stance, kind of be neutral on this. At least publicly, anyway. Just saying, my my personal opinion. Yeah. Well, um, I think I think it's time to move on to the junk drawer. Humanity was incapable of solving even its most basic problems, like garbage, which had been stacked for centuries. Yeah, and it has been stacking for centuries, and it, and it and it shakes out a little bit in this segment here. So last week, the New York Times reported that Apple has canceled the problem with Jon Stewart. I guess Jon Stewart was really a problem. Uh, More importantly, the Times noted that Apple executives, clearly not at all worried about the need for a healthy editorial firewall, had grown uncomfortable with the way that the program was planning to cover issues such as China and AI. And so um, the quote here, Mr. Stewart and Apple executives had disagreements over some of the topics and guests on the problem, two of the people said. Mr. Stewart told members of his staff on Thursday that potential show topics related to China and artificial intelligence were causing concern among Apple executives, a person with knowledge of the meeting said. Now, as the 2024 presidential campaign begins to heat up, there was potential for further creative disagreements, one of the people said. Now, it's an embarrassing and ridiculous look for Apple, whose global expansion ambitions were in no way meaningfully threatened by a talk show that hadn't seen widespread success. But both the Times story and this follow-up Hollywood Reporter story uh, made it abundantly clear that Apple's executives thought they could bully Stewart into softening his coverage of key tech issues. Now, even the dumbest tech sector executives know that it's an extremely bad look to engage in this kind of heavy-handed meddling with journalistic integrity, especially given that nothing Stewart could have possibly said about China or AI hype cycle isn't being said at a hundred other news outlets, many of which have had significantly larger reach. And so it's a lovely example of how tech companies won't be saving journalism anytime soon because they simply lack the ethics or integrity for the job. Yeah. And again, we revert back to the amendment issue of Freedom of speech is just fucking going away. It's a myth. Smoke and mirrors. It doesn't exist because those who make the laws can ultimately be bought with a company that has enough money to say, yeah, here you go. So obviously Apple gives no fucks about freedom of speech and people's opinions. So I kind of think that being in the Apple cult is not so great anymore. Well, it's not uh, that. Well, I mean, but we know Google is not any better. So we absolutely do. Yeah. And it's It's truly pick your poison. Which one can you swallow without gagging as hard? Exactly. Well, I don't go to I don't go to Apple for my content. So it's so the fact that, that, you know, that I can go somewhere else and get content that I, you know, 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 podcasting. Well, especially the fact they fucking censor our show titles if we have anything in them that they find offensive so they can they can fuck off 
All right. Meanwhile, we've got uh, we we got a, we got another story close to home here. Welcome to Costco. I love you. All right, so we actually, so we found this out on one of your rides. Actually, that that, that there's there's going to be a we new did. Costco in uh, Mount Juliet, which is um, how far is that away from here? It's, it's well, it's uh, just it's it's just under a hundred, so it's it's probably between you know ninety five and ninety eight miles respectively away from where we are. It's not, it's not like having one in Mount Juliet is going to make it where. It's closer to us to not have to go to Knoxville, but it is going to make it where because I travel to Knox or to Nashville every day for work. If we need something like those wonderful pumpkin seeds that sat so well on your stomach or something else that I can arguably buy without having to spend a shit ton of money, just kind of in a way it's it's a way to mitigate maybe having to go to Costco so often that way you know when we do need to go it'll be one of those things that we have the financial resources to do that thousand dollar shop arguably well exactly but it, but yeah it's, it's but it's going to be another year before it's uh, open anyway so it's uh, you know this oh yeah absolutely i mean we are we are absolutely just thrilled that it's coming at all. I mean, we've lived this long without it being anywhere close to where we are. So the fact that it's going to be arguably another year, nah, okay. You know, I'm, I'm fine with that because I, I know the general location they're going to be putting it and it's a lot more accessible than having to go to the North side of Nashville to go to the one that's on Charlotte Pike. I now know where it's located, but I had to drop somebody off there and I'm just not a big fan of it. I mean, in a in a pinch situation, yeah, but the fact they're putting one in in Mount Jew, fuck yeah. All right. So, meanwhile, we've got a, we've got one dishonorable mention here. Y'all are a bunch of fucking degenerates. Yeah. You are being watched. The government has a secret system, a machine that spies on you every hour of every day. Yeah. So the uh, the yeah. So uh, the U.S. Department of Transportation has three years from the bill's passing to issue a final rule within three years <coughs> to define how passenger motor vehicles manufactured after the effective date of that rule will be equipped with advanced drunk and impaired driving prevention technologies. But there's a host of factors that may allow for a deadline extension. Well, now while there's no mention of a kill switch that could be accessible by law enforcement in the bill text, the legislation does not define exactly how the the technology would limit impaired driving. Rather, the contents of the bill simply define the equipment to be a system that can uh, passively monitor the performance of a driver to accurately identify whether they are impaired prevent or limit operation if impairment is detected, passively detect whether the blood alcohol content of a driver is equal to or higher than the legal limit. In such cases, the system could prevent or limit motor vehicle operation if an impairment is detected. Well, that sounds like a fucking kill switch to me. Absolutely. It's it's absolutely a kill switch. And it's also those, they, they actually already have a thing where if you've caught a couple of DUIs, they can mandate this thing where you have to blow into it. It's a it's a BAC machine, essentially. And if you blow higher than the legal limit, you can't start the car. 
So this is just another example of that as I see it. Yeah, exactly. But this, yeah, but of course this was article. This was an article in Snopes that was it was supposed to try and uh, you know uh, to uh, to debunk. Debunk. The, yes, but when I read it, I'm like, that sounds like a fucking kill switch to me. So they're they're they're, they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. It's like, well, it doesn't actually Does that say surprise kill- you. Yeah. Well, what else is new? But you know what? So fucking over this. Yeah, I am too. Nobody else called two five three two three seven three three two one and told me about how kinky they were. And that's okay. We still love you, pedal heads. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I, we're, I think it's time to do this situation. Yeah, we, we had to remind folks that we're we're so we're gonna have a. That's right. right. Directly after the show, we're going to be doing an episode, a special Halloween episode of funny thing about murder. So stick around. And if you and if you uh, if you're listening to this on the recording, go to to the funny to the funny thing about murder show to go uh, to go listen to it. We've got there's this we have got five other episodes of this as well. So um, if you're if you're into that kind of stuff, yeah, uh, take a listen. And if also um, you know we got we got to get coffee and chronic its own um, its thing. We're, we are going to uh, stream that on uh, Monday morning at seven a.m. We re- the, the one that we recorded on Friday. So um, you know we're going to do that right. as well. So but I'll be. I will be in the chat on Monday morning. Yes. Uh, so I will be interacting with our... I, th- I think uh, Empress Emily M has labeled them connoisseurs. Something So our connoisseurs of the coffee yeah. and chronic can interact live during the broadcast of the show that we recorded on Friday. Yeah. All right. Meanwhile, um, all right, so we're going we're gonna to end this shit, and it ends something like this. Jordan fades back, swoosh, and that's the game! Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I'm out! You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.